World's Finest Podcast, Episode 27. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Hello to you, sir. And how are you doing? Uh, pretty good, really. Uh, I just watched the the Hawks beat the Celtics again. So to uh, to uh, Boston, suck it long, <laughs> suck it hard. Ah, <laughs> uh, God, what a great game! But anyway, um, how about you? <laughs> I'm doing relatively good. You know, my normal self. Nothing to really complain about, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, hey, look what we're about to review. I mean, yeah, exactly. Shit, it's finally here. Yeah, I know. When you when you get to review World's Finest, it's like you have nothing to complain about, nothing at all. Nope. You know, I I watched uh, this you know this three part episode this morning, and uh, you know it was one of those things where I didn't need to rewatch it. I've seen it so many times. Exactly. But I figured, okay, I'll re, you know I'll do a refresher, and uh, you know I watched it, and it put me in a real good mood. Um, and that kind of set the tone for the whole day. Uh, before I left for work today, our internet went out, not just the internet, but the phone and the cable, it all went out. And, uh, normally that would piss me off because that means I can't update earth2.net. If there's no internet, I can't update my website, you know? Yep. And normally that would get me steamed and I'd be fuming all day, but I hit right before the internet went out, I got done watching world's finest. So, you know, you can't be mad. It's like, wow, Superman and Batman, and they fought, and then they fought the Joker, and they fought the, and they fought Luthor, and it's so cool, oh my god, so, yeah, it it put me in a decent mood. (laughs) Shall we say. Yeah, and, uh, in fact, just before we started recording, I watched the, uh, first part of it again, because that first part has commentary. Yep. Because I have this episode on, uh... I have it on DVD as the movie because remember it was released separately. Yeah, it's the Superman Batman movie. Right, and but I also of course have it on the Superman uh, the animated series volume two set, and it's the the commentaries on that volume two set. Um, I really wish they'd re-release the movie, just the three episodes with a full hour long commentary. I mean, amen. I, you you know, people who already own it will go out and buy it again. That includes me, that includes you, that includes everybody who, who has it. They're going to go out and, and, and get it because it's, it's it's just perfection. you know. But, ah, oh, hell, we'll get into it later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that's a good point to go into emails, huh? Yeah, but before we do that, before we do that, I want to read a post that was over at the forums, if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to sort of uh, summarize it. It was posted by our coers, and if I'm mispronouncing that name, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I'm so bad with names. But he asks three questions, and, uh, you know, I answered them over at the forums, but, James, you didn't. So I want to uh, hear your answers, and I'll read off my answers, too. But I also want uh, to show our listeners who don't visit the forums the type of things that are being asked at the forums sort of as a teaser to get them to join the forums. Maybe once they hear this, they're like, I have to answer that. I'll go join the forums post haste. And then we'll just see like, you know, a hundred new 
posts in this thread all by new people. I don't know. That would be nice. Uh, that would be nice. It won't happen, but that would be nice. I know how many of you there are. I don't know why you're all not at the forums. Join now, please. Earth2.net, earth-number2.net. On the left-hand side of the page, you're going to see a link that says forums. Click it and join the forums, please. That's my spiel. Anyways, the first question is, could Superman punch a hole through his own chest? Uh... He says, here you go. He says he knows it's a weird question, but Superman does have a super strength. And when you think about it, he says, uh, with enough speed, uh, a piece of straw can be driven through a raw potato. So Superman, when you consider his strength and his speed, could he get his fist through his chest? Hmm. Now, while you're thinking that over, I'll read my answer. I said, um, first off, you have to consider that punching yourself in the chest is weird to begin with because you have to do it. It's, it, there's an, it's, it's a weird angle that you're coming in at. If you're trying to punch yourself square in the center of the chest, you have to hook your arm really weird. And Superman doesn't have bendy limbs, so he's going to have that that trouble doing that, too. But we can't do it because, you know, our durability is, like, proportionate to our strength. And I think you have to assume that Superman would be the same way. Yes, his strength is increased. Yes, his speed is increased. And yes, his durability is increased. But it's still all proportionate. So I don't think he'd be able to punch himself through the chest. What about you? I don't think he would either, just based on the angle, like yeah. you said. It's just, I don't see how it could happen. And besides, he's, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's the man of steel. I, I would imagine his breastbone is uh, pretty damn strong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think he'd hurt himself. I mean, if you really could, if you put your mind to it, you really could injure yourself with by punching yourself in the arm, in the chest, in the face. But... I don't think you're going to kill yourself. I don't think you're going to permanently injure yourself, and I don't think Superman could do it either. Okay, so his second question is, who's faster, the Flash or Superman? Do you want to answer, or shall I? Uh, you go ahead and answer, and then I'll say what I posted at the forums. Uh, Flash, and it's not even, I mean, no, there's no hesitation there. It's Go watch the episode of Justice League called Eclipsed, uh, where Flash has to run towards the sun, uh, Superman himself says, even I'm not that fast. Mm. And Flash has to basically run across Green Lantern's light beam, uh, and he's keeping up with the beam of light as it's traveling towards the sun. So there you go. Yeah, my answer is real simple. It's the Flash, because he is the fastest man alive. That's his shtick. The second someone is faster than him, the Flash, uh, he, he loses his title. He can no longer call himself the fastest man alive. So, it, yeah, Superman's fast. He uh, might be almost as fast as the Flash, but the Flash will always be the fastest. And his final question is, who's Batman's Batman? Now, what he means by that is if Superman were to ever go insane or someone were to take control of his body, Batman has been tasked with taking down Superman. This has been... Shown in the comics many times, Superman gave Batman a little piece of kryptonite, and he said, use this to kill me if you have to down the line. Now, let's reverse that. If Batman were to ever go, pardon the pun, batshit crazy, uh, he gets taken over, whatever, who takes out Batman? Now, I'll rattle off who I listed while you think about this one, okay, James? Okay. In no particular order, Deathstroke the Terminator. I think that if Batman just went rogue, so to speak, the government would call in Deathstroke. Even though Deathstroke is a villain, 
He's one of the world's best assassins, so why not call him in? Uh, my second choice is the Cassandra Kane Batgirl. She, you know, she f- was trained by the League of Assassins. She formerly ran the League of Assassins. She's going to have no problem killing someone. Um, and granted, she, you know, Batman might be her, her mentor, but she'd do it if she had to. Um, Robin couldn't, Dick Grayson couldn't, but I think that Batgirl could. Third, and uh, but definitely not least, I think if push came to shove, the one person, the one true hero that could really kill Batman if he had to, Hal Jordan. I think Hal Jordan could definitely go, you know what, I, I this is a friend, he's a colleague, I respect him. But this is what I have to do. This is what's best for the world. And he would just, in the blink of an eye, with with a mere thought, he would use his power ring to take out Batman. Even if it means he could no longer be a Green Lantern. Even if it means he had to give up that mantle because of his actions, I think he would do it. So those are my choices. What about you? Um, I definitely agree with Deathstroke. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Batgirl. Uh, I guess if you couldn't get either of them, uh, go with... I guess, a poor man's Deathstroke, Deadshot. That's true, yeah. Uh, because he's been hired by God knows how many people to d- pull jobs like that. Yeah. But um, I like Dub's answer. Uh, he's, you know, He said if bats went nuts, then pretty much anyone be- would be able to take him down if they had a, a high level of martial arts uh, capability. But he also says that he's at his most dangerous when he's thinking over every possible action. And a crazed, impulsive Batman wouldn't be nearly as effective. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, so. someone like uh, Dick Grayson, I mean, you know, he's a great fighter, but he's no Batman. Um, he might even be able to take his mentor down if, if Batman just was in a crazed state. Who knows? Yep, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm Deathstroke, Cassandra, uh, possibly Deadshot, or Dick Grayson. Okay. Very cool, very cool. Uh, so if any of our listeners want to, you know, Chime in there. Just head on over to the forums. Go to the comic book section and the DC section, and you'll see that uh, this this thread right there. I I'd love to see what some of these people think about these questions, specifically that last one. Um, I think the first two. No offense to uh, the, the the poster. I, I think they're kind of givens. No in the Flash, but that last one. There's a lot of variables to it. You know, I almost joked around and said Colin Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, no, I'll play it straight. This is this is a DC question. Uh, but yeah, there you go. There you go. And while we're talking about the forums, I know you saw them. But those new Dark Knight posters, dude. God we gotta damn. talk about those. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, in case you people haven't seen them yet, it's a profile of Batman holding up a batarang uh, in, in front of his face. So you can only see half of his face. It's a picture of the Joker holding up a playing card that has Batman on it and blood smeared on it and a smile and a smile. Um, again, hiding half of his face. And then the final one, oh, is Harvey Dent with a I believe in Harvey Dent button again, hiding half his face. So you know what they're going for there, that you can only see half the man, a two face type thing. Um, they're beautiful um, over at the oratory. Um, someone, and I forget who, and I'm sorry, I forget who, had suggested that it would have been really cool if they would have done one of Gordon holding up the GCPD badge, also yeah. locking oh, the base. Yeah. I mean, I understand why they stuck with the three that they did, but come on, it would have been so badass just to see a close-up of that badge in front of Gordon's face. So, 
But anyways. <laughs> hmm. Oh, here, you know what? Uh, Des just posted a response in the, in the thread that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the last question, he says, I think Dick could take down Batman for some reason. Uh, there's more than a dozen people who could stop him that are his friends. How about Nam... What? Namtab. Oh, no- so it's a tab. Uh, ni Roy Chess. <laughs> so, 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 so well, okay, now I'm trying to read this backwards. Chest you're in hole a punch. Oh, Batman, punch a hole in your chest. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Zatanna, that's another one. She could just go use her backward-speaking magic and just say, die, Bruce. You know, almost like the word that, that Jesse Custer had over in Preacher. That's true. She could do something. Or she could just say, stop. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> just stop. Pots. Yeah. Pots. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's over. So, And since we know what the Justice League was doing back in the day, you know, uh, thanks to the, thanks to uh, Zatanna's magic, you know, she, she's not opposed to using it to, to stop people that have gone rogue. So maybe she could use it on her friends, sometimes lover, I guess. I don't know. Wonder Woman's another answer that could be given there, too, of course. So, but, oh, 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 oh. but anyways, let's, let's move on to the email. <laughs> okay, first one is from Eric, who writes, Hey guys, it's Eric again. I'm 26 now, April 14th. Yay. Anyway, listening to episode 26, I do understand your point of view on the Saw films, and I do agree with you on that note, but I'm a sucker for a good score, and this had a, uh, had a great one. Okay, in Brave New Metropolis, the reason I think Superman looks towards Lex instead of a Bruce Wayne is that he hasn't met Bruce. All he knows is that Bruce is a pretty boy billionaire, and I don't think Superman cares for a man who is just lucky to be rich. Also, this is another story which takes elements from other Superman-related stories. In an episode of Lois and Clark, Lois ends up in an alternate reality where she's dead, and Clark is engaged to a controlling Lana Lang, so much so that he isn't Superman yet. In terms of monkey fun, you can't tell me when you saw this episode you didn't feel like you were watching Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Yes, very much filler episode. I did hate when Jimmy and Lois are searching for the monkey. The monkey they are looking for is so obviously different looking. For Ghost in the Machine, we get a storyline that just like Brainiac lies dormant as a typical Brainiac episode, and later in the JLU makes itself known in a very important episode. One of my favorite DCAU episodes of all time. Father's Day is another great episode. Not much to say about this episode that you didn't say. Great job. Thank you, Eric. Um, when it comes to the Saw films, I will agree they do have a great score. When Jimmy and I reviewed Saw 4, that was one of the things I had mentioned, is that the music in Saw, it, it is very haunting at times. It fits the overall mood of the movie. So I will agree with that. But still, you know, when it comes to the actual, you know, story <laughs> and, and acting and everything else, you know, the fact that none of it makes sense, the fact that it now looks like Saw 5 is going to take place at the same time as Saw 3 and 4. Uh, it is. It is. And it's going to be it's just going to be one big clusterfuck just like every other one. Here's the twist when they finally end the franchise at, after Saw 27, is every movie has been taking place at the same time in that warehouse. Even the scenes that look like they were outside or in a house were really in the warehouse. That, that's the way that's going to be. Um, yeah, it's the Hammerspace warehouse. It goes on for, <laughs> it goes on forever and there's an infinite amount of crap in there that everybody can have access to. But nobody ever meets each other. Exactly. Oh, no, no. no, they don't hear each other. They don't bump into each other. Nothing. Nothing. Um, what was his second question or, or point there after the Saw thing? Um, about Brave New Metropolis. And, oh, uh, yeah. Bruce lucking into money. I, I don't, what do you feel about that? I kind of take issue with that. Because I mean, the Waynes were rich, that's true, but, 
you know, Bruce really built that empire that he now controls. So I don't know if I'd say he's lucky to be rich. I don't think so either. But then I would add Lucius Fox in there for building the company up. Well, yeah, I mean, Lucius helped. I mean, you have to assume while Bruce was away, Alfred was investing the money wisely too. But Bruce is no slouch. You know, no. He, he's 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 not an idiot. He knows what to do with his money. He knows. He only acts like an idiot as a cover for, towards the public. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you almost have to assume that when Bruce decided on the the course his life was going to take, he knew that he had to take his parents' money and invest it so that he could do the things he had to do down the line. Because Batman couldn't do the things he does if he didn't have that kind of money. So Batman's a real forward thinker. So he knew he had to take the money that his parents had and turn it into this empire. So I, I don't think he lucked into it. Um, but that's just my two cents. Next email, Chris writes, whatever, Tim Burton gave a quote-unquote campy version of Batman and Joker. (laughs) Joker is supposed to be a bit over-the-top and funny. His portrayal in the movie was no campier than the way he has always been portrayed in the comics. I think you're giving too much weight to the upcoming Ledger performance to judge uh, Nicholson as campy. uh, Schumacher didn't build on what Burton did. He went in a completely different direction. If you ever want to see campy, I refer you to the old TV show. That Joker was campy, painted mustache and all. He never shot anyone. First off, I'm not calling Burton's first film campy. I'm simply saying it has camp in it. Um, You can't look at that film and tell me there aren't elements of camp. There very much are. Um, I'm trying to remember his other points in the email. Okay, so there was the camp thing. What else? What was next? Uh, He he talked about... uh, not judging Nicholson based on legend. Right. No, no, no. I'm not doing that at all. I haven't liked Burton's Batman movie for a very long time. It's not one of those things where I saw a trailer or a few teaser images for this upcoming movie, and I was like, oh, Burton's movie sucks. No, I have felt this way for a while now. I can't pinpoint a date. I did like the movie when it first came out. I was 11 years old when that happened. I remember seeing it. I remember being psyched for it. But over the years, upon subsequent viewings, I was like, this doesn't hold up. And I started finding a lot of flaws with it. So no, I'm not judging it based on what I haven't even seen yet. Um, uh, His last point, that the Joker didn't shoot anybody in the old Batman TV show, To be fair, the Joker didn't shoot anybody in Batman the Animated Series. Now, he will later on. But in Batman the Animated Series, he never shot anybody. So, I don't know if you can claim... I don't know if you should necessarily make that claim. You know, if you should point out, oh, he didn't shoot anybody, so that means he's not dangerous or whatever. Because we see that he can be dangerous, even without ever really pulling a gun. Um, Are there any other points I missed? I know there are a bunch in there. Well, he said... he. Basically goes against, he says that Schumacher didn't build on what Burton did. But. He did. He did. I mean, I'm telling you, Burton stripped out, excuse whoa, whoa, sorry. Schumacher stripped out all of the darker elements, and he took the, the, the lighter elements, the campier elements from Burton's film, and he built on those, okay? I really don't have a problem with costumed goons with themed goons okay that's fine that's a staple of comic books and of comic book media be it television shows movies cartoons whatever okay but when they're all dancing around to print songs in a museum ruining paintings with multicolored gas masks and all stuff like that that's camp 
That is straight up camp. If you can look at that and say that isn't camp, I don't know what your definition of camp is. So Schumacher saw that and he said, hey, let, let me build on that and get rid of all this dark stuff. So it was there and he moved forward with it. But yes, he did ignore the the dark, more mature stuff that Burton was going for. There we go. Okay. Next email is from Nick, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I'm a little behind in responding to WFP, so my email is going to be brief. On episode 25, Target highlighted Lois's vulnerability. In Double Dose, James says that Parasite's personality is inconsistent. True, but in Feeding Time, you also said that you weren't sure about how Rudy's powers work when he absorbed the kryptonite at the end. He was absorbing the radioactive energy, plus he still had Superman's powers, and that's what caused him to have amnesia. Well, my question was, uh, if, if he can absorb through skin contact, which is what I'm assuming his power is, not unlike Rogue, um, how is he absorbing an inanimate object? Mm-hmm. That's all, that's just, that was my question. Um, on episode 26, I agreed with some of your opinions. Even though uh, Luminous's personality is dull, the concept of using light as a weapon is still cool, which comes back to, in Justice League, only a dream part one, in the well-animated action sequence where Flash f- tries to fight off the holograms. That I will agree with. That was an awesome, awesome action scene. Uh, glad this week is the world's finest review. You're not the only one, Nick. <laughs> okay, next one is from Christopher, who writes, Hey guys, I finally got caught up and have listened to all the WFP episodes and absolutely love your show. Thank you. I was just listening to your latest episode and had some suggestions for a live-action Riddler. David Hyde Pierce would make a great Riddler, but here's my suggestions. Comedian Dane Cook, Robert Picardo, the hologram doctor from Star Trek Voyager, or, and this is a long shot, Vincent D'Onofrio from Law and Order Criminal Intent, and and Edgar the Interstellar Cockroach from Men in Black. Uh, Dane Cook, I don't know. No. He doesn't. He does not strike me as a guy who could portray a genius like the Riddler. And I am one of Vincent D'Onofrio's biggest fans in the world, but there is no way in hell he could play the Riddler because he's too big. He's six foot four and he weighs over two hundred pounds. Yeah. What What you have to remember is that D'Onofrio. And I'm not saying this to you, James. I'm saying this to our listeners. He was, quote-unquote, Gomer Pyle in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Look at how fucking huge he is in that movie. Now, the Riddler, you know, he's lanky. I mean, I have no problem with a Riddler that's a little taller. That I have no problem with. But he has to be rail thin. He can't be as big as D'Onofrio is. I think acting-wise, D'Onofrio could pull it off. But size-wise, he's not... He just doesn't have the body type. Just doesn't have it. No. Um, also, I would be very interested in signing on for that project to help out the visually impaired that you mentioned last episode. Peace cool. out, Chris. Yeah, we got a couple people, actually, that have said that they'd be willing to help. And I'm going to be emailing you people very soon to uh, try to get this project kickstarted. Mm-hmm. So be looking for those. Awesome. Okay, next one's from Derek, who writes, Hey, Mike and Jim, or is it Michael and James? Please let me know. I'm horrible with names and try to get, at least to get nicknames slash formalities correct. Jim is my father. (laughs) (laughs) You can call me James or Jimmy. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, You know, here's the thing. I write under my name, my full name, Michael David Sims, but, you know, Mike is what I prefer to be called. But if you want to call me Michael, that's fine, too. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Thanks for your advice on some of the younger comics I could give my uh, to my goddaughter a few episodes ago. I completely forgot about Casper the Ghost and Richie Rich until you both mentioned them on the show. I remember reading them as a small being a couple of decades ago. Of course, with my parents both being professors, my innocence on Richie Rich was soon corrupted by my father explaining what the phrase poorest little rich boy meant <laughs> and the resulting lecture on class warfare. <laughs> I 
love that. You see your you see your son reading Richie Rich, and it's all of a sudden, sit down, son. I want to explain something to you. <laughs> While we're at it, there's no Santa Claus. The Easter Bunny. I had him for dinner the other night. I mean, oh. oh Lord. But uh, while we're stopped there, um, uh, on that episode where we were talking about comics for kids, I mentioned that I was going to try and look up some manga for yeah. younger readers, uh, and I finally got around to doing that. Um, so I just wanted here's just four that I've uh, you know looked at. Uh, Sergeant Frog is perfect for younger readers. Uh, it's basically the manga. It's like a manga version of the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, where you've got this. This frog, this frog is like the leader of this alien, uh, frog squad, and they, they're coming to Earth, but the, the leader, Sergeant Frog, is, uh, like basically captive by this family, and he has to do all these menial chores and stuff, not unlike Grimm in the Grimm Adventures of Billy and Mandy. So, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a good one to start with. Uh, now, Doraemon is, does not have an English translation yet, but, I have to think eventually they will because it's it is arguably the most popular kids manga in all of Japan. So I have to think at some point they'll have an English translation. So and what's you know that about? Doraemon is about a robotic cat who travels back in time uh, from the 22nd century to uh, basically help out a schoolboy named Nobita. Um, there is it's there's more to it, but that's just the basic outline of the plot. Um, and there's supposedly going to be a movie released in America about like, based on it uh, late this year, but they haven't confirmed it yet. So, but uh, you know, we we have to look out for that one to come over to America because it is it's a huge part of Japanese culture over there. Um, two more. Uh, these are from Tokyo Pop. The Mail Order Ninja oh, is yeah. is just is like it's basically what it says. A boy orders a ninja through a catalog. <laughs> Yeah, Jenny's actually friends with the guy who who writes that. Really? That's, that's, a, that's written by Josh Elder, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you remember, shit, around about this time last year, oh, maybe more like nine, ten months ago, Jenny interviewed him on the show, and she, she met him at Wizard World Philly. Um, he's, he's from Chicago, so she, is he from Chicago? Yeah, he's from Chicago. So, yeah, she sat down with him once we all got back into town and had an interview with him, and she's kind of become friends with him. We've got the first two volumes. I don't know if the third volume is out yet, but um, I've only read the first volume. But yeah, that is, it's fun, all ages action. I mean, the, the, as James said, the, the concept, it's in the title. A little boy orders a ninja through the mail. To deal with bullies, basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. That is like the tits. And it, it is really fun. I, I, I highly recommend that one for kids. Yeah, and it's... Uh... Through Tokyo Pop, they have a little series. I can't remember what it's called, but it's um, it's like they're helping kids learn to read. Series uh, is basically what it boils down to. I, of course, uh, paraphrasing that, um, but yeah, it's uh, I think it's like ninety six pages per issue. Yeah, they're uh, not per, ultra thick. No, they're not. Right, and they're they're really easy. And they're the kids will pick them right up and just absorb them immediately. Yeah, and if you like Josh Elder's writing, he actually has done some issues of the Batman Strikes the tie-in comic for the Batman cartoon, which recently ended. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, I can't, you know what, James, you keep talking about the mangas and I'll pull up the ones that he's done so I can tell our listeners. Uh, the last one I've written down is Cat and Mouse. It's spelled K-A-T. Uh, the uh, The plot is this uh, 
a uh, kid named Cat uh, has his her father gets a job as a science teacher at a private school, and things seem perfect until the Cat's rich classmates basically shove her to the bottom of the totem pole just for being <sighs> intelligent, and uh, so it, it gets worse because uh, some student uh, blackmails Cat's dad to give the rest of the class better grades. So it, another, it's one that kids can. Re- it's kind of a story that fantasy story that kids can probably relate to with the school setting and all. Mm-hmm. So those are the f- those are the four I'd look out for. Doraemon again. Uh, keep we'll keep an eye out for an English translation. It's got to come over at some point. But uh, definitely pick up uh, Mail Order Ninja and Sergeant Frog. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Josh Josh Elder has written the Batman Strikes number thirty six. That was an episode called Gearhead, or pardon, an issue called Gearhead 2.0. He's done number 44. That was called A Tale of Two Cities, and it's a crossover with Superman. And upcoming, he's doing number 47, and that's going to star the Black Mask. Um, the description for that one is Black Mask has taken Bruce Wayne hostage. Can Bruce find a way to escape without giving away his secret identity? That issue, however, will not come out until July 9th. So that one's a little ways off. So Okay. What's next? Okay, and he goes, in his email, he goes on to say, By the way, I'm slowly adding the Earth 2 podcast to my iPod list and just finished with the same thing during the Muppet episode. Yes, Statler and Waldorf are by far my two favorite characters, and I try to incorporate them in my scientific writing as a nice change of pace, but my parents could just not, uh, could just not let the fraggles go without again breaking into the class warfare lecture with eating the deucer's construction and whatnot. <laughs> now, it's kind of fun, but when you're five, no thanks. In college and above, it's really cool. I agree with Jenny's theories on the class struggle within the Fraggles world and even managed to parallel the original Muppet movie to the Grapes of Wrath. (laughs) Both are part of the great American journey mythology. (laughs) But when I was five, boy, my parents could sure take the fun out of comics. That's probably why my wife encourages me now to go go a little nuts with collecting them nowadays. Thank you, wifey. Also, after some serious drinking, um, I mean thinking, I figured out what was wrong with the little piece of Krypton episode so many shows later. Both of you hinted at something being a little off for the episode. I think I realized what it was. We all love how Darkseid was hinted, uh, hinting at, uh, at in the beginning, but took several ep- episodes to flesh him out. What if little hints about Kryptonite kept dropping throughout the first season of Superman? For example, in the mentioned episode, what if Luthor noticed a barely hurt Superman, but something sapping him of his energy nonetheless? Episode by episode, Lex figures it out until he releases the brand new Metallo on the last episode of the season with the lid of Kryptonite opening from Metallo for the last five seconds of the episode. That would have made it so much better instead of it being Superman deals with Kryptonite episode and the Superman saves the day despite crazy Metallo and his Kryptonite episodes that came later. You know what? That would have been very cool, but what you have to remember is back then they weren't writing season-long story arcs. They were doing one-offs, sometimes two-offs, with continuity threaded throughout. They really weren't thinking about the whole season and uh, season-ending cliffhangers. We really wouldn't get that kind of stuff until Justice League, really. Um, So it'd be nice if they did it, but... You know, it was a different TV was different back then. I mean, yeah, it was only 10 years ago, but TV was really different 10 years. Ago. Oh, yeah. So, um, I also appreciate. Oh, oh I'm go sorry. Ahead, go ahead. 
Okay. I also appreciate the back titles of Batman you mentioned a few weeks ago as nice introductions to the Batman and DC universe. Since I missed comics from five till the age of 22, they were nice to get into uh, into without having to stumble through every comic bin in the one comic store in town. I think the owner appreciates it too, since he can just order a new trade paperback for me instead of having to go lift the 25-pound files of comics in the back. Year one was the best book so far, including The Dark Knight Returns. Felt a little dated with the uh, Regan Max Headroom references yeah. in the future. Then my local comic book store owner got me hooked on 100 Bullets and Fables. And sorry, Batman, but you're staying with the DVDs, or staying in the DVDs for a while. I actually just thought about 100 Bullets being the ultimate Batman Elseworlds tale in the kind of film the wall way. Whoa, that was deep. <laughs> okay, back to the light side. Thanks both of you and uh, and Jenny on all your suggestions on on WFP and the beginnings of Earth 2's podcast. I can't wait till you get to the JLU episodes with the question, and we find out that Baskin Robbins has a hidden 30-second flavor. <laughs> Thanks a bunch, and also for Mike's help with my forums uh, avatar picture thing. I'm now the dude with the build a cat picture in the forums. Sincerely, Spiral Monk slash Derek. <laughs> um, what I was going to interrupt you with a, a second ago, because I forgot he had more to his email, was that if uh, anybody wants to hear the episode of Earth2.net, the show that he was referencing, the, our Muppet episode, that was actually episode 25 of Earth2.net, the show. <laughs> So a long time ago. That was released on the 16th of May, 2006. Um, yeah, Jen and I sat down and we spoke about the Muppets for almost like two and a half hours. Jen is an avid fan of anything and everything that Jim Henson created. Um, so that was really her episode to shine. So, yeah, go into our archives and you can find it real easily there. If I remember, I'll try to post a link to it in the feedback thread. But if I don't, again, it's not a big deal because it is in our archives. Um, now, he briefly mentioned that um, 100 Bullets was sort of like Batman done noir. Um, that, that's what he said, correct? Yeah. What, what you might want to do is, if you like 100 Bullets, and you obviously do, is go pick up a trade paperback called Batman Broken City because that's actually written by Brian Azzarello and drawn by Eduardo Riso. That's the creative team of 100 Bullets. So you'll get to see their take on Batman. Um, it's not the best Batman story in the world, I will tell you that. But if you want to see those two guys working on Batman, that's how you can do it. Batman Broken City. So. Okay. And before uh, you continue, I, I got I to interrupt one more, with one more thing. Okay. You know what I just realized that we haven't addressed yet? We're What's recording that? this on April 28th. This episode will air on April 30th. April 25th, this past Friday, was our one-year anniversary. Uh, yes, it was. It was. I mean, it's like, whoa, whoa, how, how, can we, how can we forget that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I think it was because we mentioned it uh, an episode or two ago. Right, because we've got two anniversaries. And it's weird because, you know, the first episode was actually an, an episode of Earth 2.net, the show, and then it became its own podcast. So, yeah, we've got this two anniversary thing. But, yeah, yeah, happy anniversary to World's Finest. Woo. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> okay, I won't interrupt anymore. Well, it's very cool that it happened to be World's Finest that we're reviewing on this anniversary. It's like we planned it. Yeah. We didn't. I'm just saying it's like we did. <laughs> what do you mean we didn't? Hmm. <laughs> Okay, last email today is from Nate, who writes, Hey guys, just watching Superman and Batman, finally got the DVR, and just had a couple of things I noticed that you guys didn't cover. In Livewire, I'm surprised that you guys didn't mention all the pornography references. When Livewire is talking to that one guy backstage while all the chicks in bikinis are out on stage, a girl in a one-piece pink bathing suit with rabbit ears proudly displayed on her head, Playboy reference, anyone? Also, when the sailor dude calls Livewire, telling her he doesn't like uh, her knocking Superman... 
on the wall of his desk, I use that term lightly, he has a picture of a lady in a bikini on a calendar. Yeah. I'm extremely surprised that you didn't mention that while she was in the hospital, she blasted a TV and it exploded. Obviously not by punching it, but thought you would mention it. Well, well, I mean, it's lightning powers, yeah, so yeah. it's it's excusable. Yeah, again, it's not Lex Luthor pounding down on his, you know, iMac computer and the whole thing going boom. I mean, as James said, this is her shooting lots of electricity at at a device, so I, I didn't take issue with that one. Good, yeah, good call, but I didn't take issue with it. <laughs> yeah. I also noticed that when Superman is fighting Livewire in the power station, he's wearing gloves, but then when they smash through the wall, he isn't wearing the gloves anymore. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, I'll have to go back and see that. I, I, I believe him. I just don't remember. Yeah. All these add to the quote-unquote badness of the episode. I rate it a half. <laughs> Only because it's the first episode of Superman the Animated Series I've seen. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. In, in Joker's favor, I noticed that you guys didn't mention that Joker said that quote-unquote his hobby, whose name I can't remember. Charlie. That was uh, Charlie. Yeah. Can't be cursing each other on the freeway. Just thought it was kind of funny. Also, that when the Joker calls his house and he's hanging outside with his kids, right? Well, the phone rings, and he hears it from outside where there's cars driving by, people talking, and through, like, five walls he can hear it. I think not. I read this episode of five because there wasn't anything I did or didn't like in it. Stick to your guns, Nate. A five? I don't know, bro. That's a good episode. Yes, it is. I, it really, it's a fun episode. That really might be the first one. I'd have to... I'd have to go back and see, but that might be the first one where we really get that scary, intimidating Joker. I mean, in the episode we're about to review, we truly get a, a frightening Joker, but I think Joker's favor was the first time we really got that one. Am I right in that recollection, or were there ones before that where he was sort of scary? No, 100% correct. Yeah, so, uh, what did I, do you remember what we scored that one? I gotta pull up our grades now, because a five, that's low, man. I want to say I graded it a 7.5, but I can't remember. If, let's see. Let's see. Let me pull this up here. Pardon me while I do this, guys. Let's see. Oh, no. You, I think it might have been a 9 because I think the only thing I took issue with was uh, Batman just letting this guy basically threaten the Joker to the point where he doesn't know maybe he would kill him or not. Yeah. I may have graded that a 9. Whoa. This is screwed up. There's no way we scored at this. You gave it a 6.5 and, and I gave it a 7? Eh? No, that doesn't sound right at That's all. That's what I have in my notes. You know what this you know what this means? We're gonna have to go back and watch it and see what our her flaws were or listen to our episode where we reviewed it. I think there might have I think we might have had a little trouble with the animation. I think we had a little trouble with remember how Charlie called got a hold of Batman by dangling that glider? That was it, it. yeah. That because the constant. the entire last half of the episode couldn't have happened if uh, Alfred had been like, hmm, yeah. I think that's a, I think you're, somebody's trying to get a hold of you, yeah. sir. Um, Batman, again, as you said, letting Charlie throw the bomb when, again, he didn't know if it was a bomb or not. I mean, there's definitely problems with it, but a five, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at our scores, and I think a 6.5 and a 7 are too low. I'm thinking eight-ish. But again, maybe I have to watch it again, you know? I mean, yeah. that was episode four. Episode four. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. I, I have trouble remembering what we spoke about in episode 26, more or less 24, or more or less four, I should say. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm going to go back and, you know, change our scores. We had a chance to do that, and we didn't, so... Those are going to have to stick, but it does seem a little odd to me. What do you want? I sense we are kindred spirits, you and I. Oh, there are differences, to be sure. Like hair. <laughs> 
But underneath it all, we are both entrepreneurs, men of vision. We see an opportunity, we grab it. Am I right? Right. But in the past few weeks, I've had a run of bad luck. Bad luck that wears a cape. Thanks to that miserable, pointy-eared rodent Batman, all my operations in Gotham City have been shut down. But you too have an overgrown bully in long underwear. Which brings me to my little proposition. I'm listening. Pay me one billion dollars and I'll kill Superman. <laughs> what makes you think you can kill Superman when you can't even handle a mere mortal in a Halloween costume? There's nothing mere about that mortal. Besides, I've read up on your flyboy. I know his weakness. See? Solid kryptonite. You know I can't be connected to this in any way. Oh, you'll be Mr. Clean. I promise. Deal? Deal. So here we are. World's finest. Ooh. The Batman Superman movie, whatever you want to call it. It is here, and wow. I mean, <laughs> I can't really sum up how excited I am to review this finally. Because this movie is just... If it's not perfect, it's damn near perfect on every level. Uh, from animation to voice acting to the plot to the action sequences. Everything is just spot on. Right, yeah, let me jump in there. Um, it, I don't think the movie is perfect. It definitely has some flaws. But when you consider what it means to the overall universe, the whole DCAU, it makes up for those flaws, if you understand what I'm saying. I mean, we've done this in the past where, uh, again, it's our, it's the, the best example, off balance. Terrible episode, yeah. but Talia and Rachel Ghoul. I would even go back to last episode with Ghost in the Machine. I mean, that has one huge flaw at the end there, but I still gave it a 10 out of 10 just because of the scope. Right, exactly. And I hate to show our hand, but Christ on a stick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> seriously, I mean, I, I think we're both going to score this thing perfect scores, despite the fact that it's not perfect, because, again, it just it just means so much. You know, I mean, yeah. this is the introduction of the new the new Batman in terms of look, you know, it really does expand the universe out into a true universe where before we had Batman and we had Superman and yeah, Superman kind of mentioned Batman once in a while, but now they finally meet, which opens the door for Justice League and that whole thing. So yeah, it, it, this, this is it. I mean, this is so important. This, I mean, this is probably the most important episode. What do, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, barring it's a, barring Ghost in the Machine, it's the most important towards expanding the right, universe. Right, exactly. That that's what I should have said. Right, Ghost in the Machine is the most important for what it did down the line, but this is most important for expanding it. So, pardon that. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's you know, we get two great dynamics here. We've got Batman and Superman not getting along, and then Lex Luthor and the Joker. Both both duos are completely different from one another, mm. and. It's it's a great dynamic to watch them, uh, you know, act together. Uh, and what's particularly nice about the uh, the Batman and Superman uh, tandem is that you know Batman Batman can't take on Luthor's technology, and Superman really can't put up with Joker's just unpredictability and his craftiness. Mm -hmm. So 
they have no choice but to team up, even though they really don't like each other <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. So, it, and throughout, they, they build it up and build it up until when they finally do team up, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> we get some, we get the best action sequences to date. Yeah. And, uh, I think, but beyond that, my MVP for this whole movie, if you will, was Dana Delaney. Really? She, she just owned every scene she was in. She was, she was just brilliant. And her Lois Lane just lit up the screen and got about 800 levels of depth added, uh, just from this, just from this three episode, uh, series or movie. You know, it's she. She literally exhibits every emotion in the playbook in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. You got sadness, sarcasm, happiness, love, shyness, anger, fright, and it, I thought she did an, a marvelous job. And it was really cool to hear her and Kevin Conroy together again, mm-hmm. like they were in fan, in Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You got a good point there. Well, um, I'd probably give it to Mark Hamill, um, but I see what you're saying with Delaney. You you really have a point there, because uh, the reason I'd give it to Hamill is simply this is the best Joker we've seen so far. It really yeah. is. I mean, even his corny jokes are you still chuckle at them. They're still menacing yeah. to a point. Um, he's just creepy from the first scene, uh, which we'll be speaking about briefly. Um, he he's on. You know that this Joker has is taking it up a notch than all mm-hmm. the things he had done in Batman, the animated series. Um, just, just the performance. I mean, every time Hamill laughs, I, 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 I chuckle, but it's, it's like a nervous chuckle because I feel dirty laughing along with <laughs> a, this character that that's a mass murderer. You know, I mean, he really drives it home that the Joker is this unstable maniac. Um, and it takes a special kind of actor to, to play a character like that. And I think he does it in spades. So that's my MVP, so to speak. Uh, can't, can't disagree with those, with those sentiments either. Um, yeah, it was, this was another, really, if you think about it, it was another lowest story because yeah. she's really a focal point throughout the whole thing with the Bruce, with her and Bruce Wayne being a romantic couple here. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it's nice because we've, They've hinted at uh, Lois being romantic. She kind of flirts with Superman here and there, but we've never seen it just full fledged like this, yeah. to where she is she is smitten with with Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. and you know we haven't gotten to see Delaney's uh, acting ability in that level in that vein before, and she pulled it off just fantastically. So, but yeah, uh, she and Hamill. Yeah, it's just and everybody else really. Oh was yeah, just amazing. Yeah, I think we're just we're just focusing on these two, but everybody else was just you know they were just as great. Yeah, I think everybody brought everybody up. Everybody is always acting their asses off. They're always giving it one hundred percent. But I think when they all came together for this episode, they went above and beyond. They gave more than even they thought they could give, and you believe that these are real people, not animated you know, drawings on, on your television screen. No, these are, this is, there is a Batman out there and there is a Superman and a Lois Lane and a clown freak and a, you know, this, this insane power hungry businessman. They're all out there 
having this adventure right now and we're somehow a voyeur or the fly on the wall watching it. Um, that that's how good their acting is. You absolutely buy it 100%. Yeah, and the animation adds adds it in there with the facial expressions and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I talked about Delaney's acting ability, but you know you you uh, add the animation in there. It just in the first scene where Wayne appears in the LexCorp airfield when the press is gathered and everybody is swarming around him, she goes through like half a dozen <laughs> emotions in roughly seven eight seconds. Mm-hmm. She's like. Oh, I heard he's nothing but Gotham trash, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's gorgeous. <laughs> and then, then she's like worried because she's trying to fix her hair. Then Wayne appears behind her; she's startled, and then she's like, she's trying to fumble around and find her purse. And then she's like, oh, famous me? <laughs> Hardly. Uh, and then she gets to like, uh, this is Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah, she goes back to Lois mode. <laughs> yeah, it. God, it, that that really and it was a nutshell of just how awesome I uh, her performance was, mm-hmm. and really and but you know it's and it's getting back to the animation here, you know I love the new animation. It was nice. Yeah, that uh, that slick, very sleek Bruce Wayne. He, mm-hmm. he know, I mean, because you have to admit that old Bruce Wayne looked a little chubby. Looked yeah, chubby he did. in his baggy suit, but here, I mean, his suit fits him perfectly. I mean, they say the suit makes the man, and. Yeah, it definitely makes the Batman. Ha ha, pardon the pun. <laughs> but it really, and Joker. And the Joker, too. I mean, the the, the complete, the, the whole redesign of the uh, Batman characters, I think, is spot on. I mean, Gordon looks older, as he should. Bullock looks even sloppier. But Bruce, yes. I mean, when we first see him, we're reminded of the fact that this man is probably the most famous man in the world. He's probably the richest, one of the richest men in the world, and he's got a great personality. He's got this aura about him. Wherever he goes, the reporters follow him. So it makes sense that he would look, that he would be the most handsomest man in the world. He wouldn't wear a baggy suit and look a little chubby. Um, so I very much appreciate the fact that they've streamlined him, streamlined him down. And with the Joker, with his black eyes, with the white pupils, um, or iris, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. And they've, they've taken away the red lips and they've kind of deformed his face a little, um, more than it already was. And again, they changed <laughs> his look too. It's just, it's just beautiful. Everything they did with those bat characters. And how about his laughter when Joker laughs mm-hmm. every time close up? Ooh, mm-hmm. it's, it is creepy yeah and what's great is they found a way to make those characters fit in with the superman characters because previously you know we knew they were in the same universe because again Mm -hmm. they they, you know superman had mentioned batman once or twice but at the same time they didn't look like they fit in the same universe we've mentioned this before on the show batman the animated series was firmly entrenched in the 1940s where superman the animated series you know, it has a bit of a 90s feel to it, but there's also a futuristic feel to it. If you look at, like, the police cars. Right. But they found a way to bring those worlds together without rocking the boat either way. They didn't make Superman start to look like a Fletcher cartoon, and they didn't take – they didn't change the Batman world at all. It still looks like that 40s world, but they've just updated – they've just – uh, what's the what, how am I trying to what am I trying to say here? They've uh, just updated it a little. Is, is I, I guess what I'm just trying to say there. So yeah, it, it still mm-hmm. has that 40s flavor, but and it's a little I mean, cleaner. It's, That's what I was trying to say. It's just a little cleaner in design. 
Oh yeah, and it was, and of course they had to open up the movie with Gotham with the red sky and storming, <clears throat> you know, because you know that's that's Gotham. <clears throat> no matter no matter how updated or clean it is, it's still red red sky storming yeah. all the time. Yeah. Oh man. Um. So before we get any further, though, I have to say something. Mm-hmm. I remember where I was when this episode first aired. I shit you not. I remember where I was and who I was with. Um, I, I had seen advertisements for this and I, I sort of put it in the back of my mind. I forgot to set the VCR and that night that this aired, um, I looked the date up. So I don't remember, I didn't remember the date. I did have to look this up, but it was the 4th of October of 97. And, uh, that night, um, was the first week of college for me, not, or not of college for me, but it was the first week I spent at my second college. I went to a junior college for a year, and mm-hmm. then I ended up going to uh, Columbia College downtown here in Chicago. And so this was the, the end of the first week, and they were having a uh, freshman uh, get-together. And uh, I was hanging out with Jenny, who I had started dating uh, just a few months prior, um, and Jenny's best friend, Sarah, who has since passed away. And uh, we were all freshmen at the school. And, uh, you know, we were just at this, you know, like this freshman party type thing and they had TVs on. And as I was walking past one of the TVs, I see, I think, I want to say it was the nightclub scene, which of course we'll get to in a little bit. And I just stopped and I started cursing myself. I'm like, damn it, damn it, damn it. And Jenny and Sarah, they look at me, I'm like, what? And I'm like, I forgot to set the fucking VCR. So we like stood there for a while watching this thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this freshman party and we're standing here watching this damn cartoon <laughs> and i don't know why but that that's stuck in my memory all i mean it's been 11 years since almost uh 10 and a half years since that aired but for whatever reason that that has stuck in my memory that that shows you how it's how just one of those things had on me obviously you know i co-host a podcast dedicated to the universe so it's all <laughs> had an effect on but that specifically not to mention that little website you run. Yes, yes. Let's not mention Earth2.net. Or let's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. So, yeah. Where do we go from there? I mean, we already, you know, gushed about the voice acting well, and the animation. Let's so just get started. I'm... Let's do a synopsis. And we'll just run from start to finish. And from time to time, you know, we'll jump in. We'll interrupt each other. And we'll just we'll just give our thoughts. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, so uh, do you mind doing the synopsis here? No, not at okay, all. Okay, so why don't you start uh, us off? Okay, well, so the movie, you know, the movie starts in Gotham, as I mentioned a minute ago, um, and there's this antique shop, and Joker and Harley Quinn bust in and gas the guy with Joker toxin, and they steal this statue of a dragon called the Laughing Dragon, and it's supposedly made of jade, uh, but in the next scene, Batman is. You know, the, the, the GCPD is on the scene investigating, and Batman, you know, enters as he normally does through the shadows, and uh, he takes a look at the uh, the remnants of the of the dragon that are left, because Joker basically just ripped it off of a plaque, and there were little pieces of this quote unquote jade left. So, you know, Batman looks at it, starts glowing a little bit, and Bat- and he says, "I'd like a closer look." So he just takes a piece of it, and this is this uh, what happens next is priceless because. Uh, Bullock goes, hey, he can't leave a crime scene with evidence, which is something I've asked. I asked on a uh, an episode of WFP about I don't know about a hundred years yeah. ago, and uh, but I thought it was I thought it was really funny that they finally um, 
brought that up in question. Like, hmm, you got this weirdo in a bat suit taking evidence from a crime scene. Yeah. But I loved, I liked how Gordon was like, hey, you want to stop him? Yeah. Be my guest. Yeah, and then they all turn, they, they both turn around and Batman's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, how, what did you think about uh, opening the movie this way? In Gotham, uh, with the Joker, with the, the redesigned uh, Gotham City, with the redesigned characters. What, what did you think about all this? Just... I loved it because you you're watching Superman the animated series and you know the da 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 music comes on and then the first thing you see is Gotham City in a in its red red skied glory and you think whoa what, if you didn't know anything about about it going in you'd be like whoa what's going on here and you know you, you see the Joker you see the or Harley Quinn is the first person you see who's pretty much stayed the same so, they didn't change her design all that much <laughs> no she was ba- basically the exact yeah. same but uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but yeah, it, it was really, really cool because it, it was somewhat of a risk taking it, but not really because it's, it's coming back to familiar characters if, if, if people had watched Batman before and, uh, I dug it. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, the right thing to do, uh, because it sets the tone for the whole thing. There's, they only had 60 minutes basically. I mean, this is, this is three twenty to 22 minute episodes. So they, they just didn't have time to dick around. They couldn't start a metropolis, you know, show us Superman doing his thing, show the flirtation with Lois, then come to Gotham, then show the Joker coming to metropolis, then Batman coming or Bruce coming, I should say. Then they just didn't have time for any of that stuff. So they're like, you know what? We have to start off with the actual plot, you know? And, sometimes that fails and sometimes it doesn't. Like if you look at some horror movies where they start off just getting right into it before you really get to know the characters, that can fail. But here they made it work for them. Um, And I don't think they relied on us having already known the characters either because if they did... They might have lost a lot of people. Right, exactly. And but they, they show you who these characters are. Harley pops up, she's the you know, the first character, the first familiar face we see. You know, she's like, I have something to show you and you're gonna plot, you know, and so we <laughs> automatically get what this character is about. She's kind of this zany girl. Then the Joker comes in and he gasses the guy right away, so we know what he's all about. Um from there we get the dynamic between with the police and, and Batman. So I think they did a really good job starting off the story, getting the plot moving, and giving us character all at the same time. Um, what I think they also did well in this opening sequence is that there was this perfect combination of uh, this kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? This kind of foreboding music and mixing it with a lot of peril. Because, I mean, the Joker mm-hmm. basically kills a guy right away. Yeah. Right away. He just immediately into yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, that guy's dead and he's just laying there. And, and you know, when what a pleasant fellow, yeah, exactly. I was going to say when Joker and him are leaving, the Joker makes a crack about this corpse. You know, I mean, it's it, I mean, it all comes together to set the atmosphere. And of course, you know, when you combine that with, as you said, the red sky and the thunder and the lightning and the rain, it's just I really felt this was a perfect opening. Absolutely perfect. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, uh. Uh, Batman takes the uh, the crystal that he uh, took from the uh, scene of the crime and starts analyzing it in the Batcave. And he uh, Alfred comes in and uh, with a uh, an encyclopedia or something, or uh, and he says that the Laughing Dragon has a rather foreboding 
past, uh, everybody who's ever owned it has died of mysterious circumstances. Bruce uh, then says, yeah, I can tell you why, because it's emitting a low-level radiation. So he then says, hmm, isn't Bruce Wayne due for a trip to Metropolis? And Alfred's like, hmm, uh, is this really such a good time? And, of course, Bats is like, I think I'd say the timing couldn't be better. So he knows right away what it is. Right. What I think is really um, cool here, too, is that this is the first sign in the DCAU, and it might be the only sign of it, too, that kryptonite can actually kill humans. Yes, they set the seeds for kryptonite poisoning. Right. I mean, later – I should say later on, but previously in the comics, they've addressed this. Luthor used to wear a ring, a kryptonite ring, and if I remember correctly, it gave him cancer. Um, mm-hmm. They don't address it in the – DCAU though, do they? Do they ever come back to this? Yeah, uh, uh, Luthor is dying from it in the um, the Amazo episode. Uh, and oh, he had some he, sort of cancer, but I didn't realize it was kryptonite. It was, for- yeah, it was from kryptonite poisoning. Oh, I forgot that. Pardon me. Okay, okay. So and good. And then and when they come back to when Brainiac uh, assimilates Luthor later on in in JLU. They, he mentions that Brainiac cured him of the cancer. Right. Again, I remember Luthor having cancer, but I just I either didn't realize or forgot that it, that it was caused by the kryptonite. But I like that here because, I mean, yeah, it's going to affect Superman more because it, you know, because of the magic of comic book science, you know, but it is still putting off radiation. You can't have this shit around you for a long time without you getting some nastiness in your system. Uh, yeah. So I really did dig that. Yeah, it was it was really cool that uh, people outside of uh, Metropolis know what kryptonite is. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, yeah. What I was also going to say is I like the fact that we get Detective Batman here. Um, yes. Not just in him analyzing the little shard and knowing what it is, but more so in that scene tells us that Batman's been keeping tabs on Superman, even though we haven't seen Batman in a little while. He's been watching Superman, too. Mm-hmm. Because if he knows what this is, that means he's been keeping an eye on this relatively new hero in Metropolis. Because mind you, Superman is new tr- to the superhero game. Remember, he he only showed up a few episodes back in uh, you know the very first you know the last son of Krypton, last son of Krypton, which was yeah. I don't know in their timeline maybe a year ago at most, probably just a few months. So that shows you that when he showed up. Batman started going, okay, I'm going to keep tabs on this guy, and you can be damn sure that when uh, a little piece of home, when that episode was happening, you know, any surveillance footage that Luthor saw, somehow Bruce got his hands on, and he was like, mmm, what's this green rock? So he's been paying attention. He knows his shit, and I like that. I like because it's it sets the seeds for the paranoid Batman, the prepared Batman, the, the detective Batman. It's all there, and that's all, that's all of that is who Batman is. Yep, and they do it in record time too, yeah. and that and like that, just the Batcave yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Again, no dick um, around. They don't have the time to dick around. This isn't exactly. this isn't a two and a half hour Michael Bay film. This is a sixty minute. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is a sixty minute masterpiece that gets it all in there and gets it all in there very well. Mm-hmm. So after this, uh, we we finally go to Metropolis where. Uh, Air Force One has been hijacked by these terrorists. Okay, well, and, wait. First uh, off, first off, how? How? Yeah, I did. I don't know. Because I mean, this the, uh, earlier were they hiding? Yeah. See, that's the thing. Earlier, I had said, you know, this, this, this 
mini movie. It isn't perfect. And this is one of those things. Okay, these are armed terrorists in uniform. It's not like they're dressed as the stewardesses and the pilot and the co-pilot and some maintenance guy. And one of them is dressed up as a reporter because we should mention that there's a whole bunch of reporters on this plane, too. No, they're all dressed up in some jumpsuits and they all got these guns. It's like, uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what were they doing exactly? Were they in the luggage rack? I don't know. That's the only place they could have been is hiding, mm -hmm. but oh well, what are you going to yeah. do? So anyway, Lois, who happens to be among the press invited on board, uh, uh, she tries to go for the phone and then the, uh, the main, I guess one of the main guys, one of the main terrorists shoots the phone and throws her back into the seat, prepares to shoot her, but then ha just t wastes time by asking her her name for some reason. And she says, uh, Lane. And he's like, Lane? Lois Lane? The one Superman always saves? Afraid so. And right on cue, Superman starts, uh, rocking the plane back and forth to, uh, you know, disarm the terrorists, or somewhat. So, he uh, busts into the, he busts into the plane and everything's going to hell. The plane is upside down at this point, thanks to Superman. And uh, he gets inside and as things are being sucked out of the plane, he uh, one of the terrorists starts tumbling towards him and he just lays into him. So that guy's that guy's dead. That guy is dead. Um. So anyway, you know, he saves the day and uh, on the ground, he uh, you know, the president thanks him and. You know, takes off and Lois is on the ground tr once again, tries to get, you know, ask Superman out on a date. And, you know, Superman being, of course, being too dense to realize what uh, Lois is trying to tell him, flies off to uh, save the First National Bank, which is in the process of being robbed. Uh, so at this point, we get one of the greatest lines in the whole movie where Lois talks to herself uh, and says she basically asks uh, Superman if uh you know, do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? And, he's, and Superman says, I understand. And that's when this explosion happens and he has to go save the bank. So Lois then on cue, as after he leaves, says, I understand, Lois. Really? You do? Yep, you're a complete moron. Why, thank you, Superman. I think I'm a total loser, too. What makes it better is she smacks her own head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's actually not the line I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to mention how she's like, you better go. Someone might get and she turns around and he's gone and she says hurt and she just kind of hangs her head then delivers the line that we were just joking about um you know i don't think superman was dense there it's just he has to put other people first before himself and if that means hurting lois's feelings then sadly that's what it means i think he knew that lois was asking him out but what was he going to do let the cops get shot let well, that was before the explosion happened. Though. No, no, it wasn't. She started asking him out, and they, they start having a conversation about it, and then the explosion happens. Well, see, what happened? Here's the the conversation after he says, "I understand," uh, and Lois asks, "You do?" And then that's when the explosion happens. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't see the so, problem. So what I'm saying is, Superman says, "I understand," but it's like, how? There's no kind of. Uh, there's no really inf there's it's hard to tell inflections there because Superman just seems like he's just blowing her off really. No, I I think he he knows what's going on there. I sort of think well, he wants Okay, mind you, he he better he better know what's going on after uh 
brave new metropolis. <laughs> yeah. I, what you what you have to keep in mind is that he remember he's also Clark Kent. He you know Lois isn't exactly nice to him in Clark Kent mode. So I right. wouldn't be surprised if he was trying to watch Lois fumble for words. Um, watch her kind of be humbled a little as she was asking Superman out, basically. I think he was sort of playing her a little, playing a little game with her. Um, hmm, but then that. he, like, yeah, he, he couldn't stick around. I mean, you know, really, he can never have a relationship with anybody because it be it Lois, Lana, or some other woman, they're, they're always going to get hurt. They're always going to come second to everybody else in the world. And this scene really did illustrate that, you know, someone is going to get hurt. Is it the cops? Is it the robbers? Is it someone that, um, that gets hurt in the, in the chase that's going to ensue, or is it going to be Lois? And sadly it's Lois. That's the decision Superman had to make. And it's a tough decision for him. And I don't think the scene carried, as much emotional impact on the Superman's end, but you do get all of it, of course, on Lois's end. Yeah, which, again, goes back to Delaney. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, wait, wait, anyway. wait, wait, wait. Oh. You're not going to take issue before this with Superman ripping the door off the plane? You just sort of pissed uh, over that. You're like, oh, yeah, he gets in the plane and everything's getting sucked out. You didn't even say anything. Normally, that's something you would take issue with, I think. Hmm. <laughs> I kind of... I... plane at 30,000 feet. Well, how else is he going to get in there? It's like, it's like, what, what is he going to burst through the bottom of it and then cause like damage to the internal mechanisms of the plane? No, no, no. Uh, I mean, I understand. What... Th- he really had no choice but to rip that door off. That's why I'm giving it a pass. Well, I thought you would take issue with the wonky science. Is what I thought you would take issue with. <laughs> what? What do you mean? He rips the door off, and none of the seats come flying out. None of we don't see any people go flying out. Well, we see a bunch of other shit flying out of there. Flying out, but that's about it. I mean, I'm not knocking. I'm not gonna. I'm not taking a point off or anything. Because it, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's very clearly wonky science. I mean, first he flips a 747 or whatever Air Force One is, and there's no trouble there. And that because would the engines cut out doing that to a plane like that? Do we have if we have any pilots out there? Or any engineers, write in and, and let me know, because I, I don't know if something wonky would go with the plane. And then, yeah, he just rips off a door, and nothing happens. There's no major hull breach or anything. <laughs> oh, just some I don't know. The seats place. are bolted down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we, I mean, sure, we'll chalk it up to cartoon or comic book physics, but it's worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick by my guns and say, uh, and let it let it slide. Okay, okay. Because he had no choice, and it, because it was just, I think. The only people who I think would get sucked out are the terrorists. They were the only ones standing up. <laughs> and, and you could see them tumbling down the aisle before Superman killed exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah, And that's the funny thing about, about Superman killing that guy is there was nothing Superman could do to not save that guy. I mean, no matter what he did, that guy was going to die. If Superman just put his hand out to catch him, the guy would have been flying at such force that hitting Superman, the man of steel, would have crushed him. You know, if Super- which makes me wonder how the Flash survived when Superman just stuck his yeah, arm out. Exactly. In, you know, yeah. I mean, that I'm just uh, that's all I'm saying there. Right. If Superman didn't hit him or stop him, he would have been sucked out the door. You know, I mean, no, no matter what, that that at least that one terrorist was gonna die. But hey, he's a yeah. terrorist, so fuck him. You know, <laughs> really. Exactly. Superman killed a terrorist. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Moving on, uh, at LexCorp, L- Luthor, you know, is reading a newspaper about Superman saving, the uh, Air Force One, and 
you know, besides the door. Uh, and, uh, he's disgusted because he reads that Superman is, Go- uh, Gotham's, is Metropolis's favorite son. And he, of course, takes issue with this because he feels he is Metropolis's favorite son. Um, he, you know, he calls down to Mercy to start their limo up in the, in the parking garage below LexCorp. But Mercy is assaulted by one Harley Quinn who steals the limo and kidnaps Luthor. Swell, Mr. L. Yeah. Mr. L? Mercy? Oh no, she had a little accident. Oh, the, oh man, it's, it's hilarious. And then, so yeah, the, uh, Harley starts drive, psychotically driving down the street, huh? See, this is, this is a problem I have with cartoons too. Like, Luthor goes to, like, exit the limo when he realizes something's up, and Mercy, or, quote, I'm sorry, not Mercy, uh, Quinn locks the door. But, what, Luthor can't just pull the lock up and get out? Yes, the car is moving, okay, I understand that. But it's like, oh no, I'm trapped, because some crazy broad in the front seat locked the door. He could easily... Well, I looked... I'm sorry, what? I looked at the, I looked at the design of the locks. It didn't look like those were the kind of things that you could lift up. Just, I mean, go back and look at it. Maybe uh, you'll see what I'm talking so about. So, because are we assuming it's like a police car where you can't open the sort back of. door from the inside? Okay. Yep. I don't know if I buy that, but okay. No, I'm saying that, I, I, I kid you not. That's why I've asked that question uh, before, but then I look at the animation design on the locks, and it doesn't look like something you could lift up. Okay. So, yeah, just go back. And, I know you'll we'll watch this countless more oh, times yeah. in our days, so just go back and look at it. Maybe you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. Um. So yeah, they Joker. Uh, they pick up Joker on the side of the road, who is uh, showing off his pasty <laughs> thighs and calf and calves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what does what, is, what does Quinn say when she sees him? Like, whoa, mama! Whoa, mama! <laughs> Check out the cute hitchhiker! Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, she slams to a halt, picks up Joker and Luthor. We finally get Luthor meeting the Joker. And it's a it's one fantastic scene, I must say. Uh, what did you feel about having the villains meet before the heroes meet? I mean, it makes sense story wise, but I'm talking about from a fanboy perspective. Would you rather have the villains meet first or the heroes meet first? Uh, I would. I don't care who meets first as long as it tells a good story. Ah, di- diplomatic answer. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked. <laughs> it did, True. but it it really did, and I, I like it here because. They set up the plot. Mm-hmm. Joker has this 20-pound statue of kryptonite, and he's going to kill Superman for Lex Luthor. So Luthor doesn't get his hands dirty, and Joker can rebuild his lost empire from Gotham City that Batman, you know, put, effectively put an end to. So it, you know, it worked just fine. Um, and it's it's great here in this in this scene. Luthor has no. No desire whatsoever to uh, con- uh, converse with Joker or his goofy sidekick Harley Quinn, but uh, you know once once Joker says uh, shows that the statue of Kryptonite to him, it's like, hmm. Well then, <laughs> I guess I should go along with this. Well, because the thing is, I mean, the, the Joker's like, pay me one billion dollars and I'll kill Superman. Stress the word kill, because. Um, yeah, that, that's a deal <laughs> in, in a cartoon here, but you know Luthor is never going to pay up. Luthor is going to kill the Joker if the Joker succeeds, and if the Joker doesn't succeed, he's going to kill him anyways. So what does it, it, it's win win for Lex really? 
Pretty much. I mean, it, it, right now, Lex doesn't see what he could possibly lose. Yeah, he ends up catching some flack for it, for it. But right now, he either... Okay, here, let's put it this way. Either the Joker succeeds and Superman's out of his life, and then he kills the Joker, or the Joker doesn't succeed and he kills the Joker, and then he and his, more specifically, his bodyguard can, can take the credit for stopping a mass murderer. You see exactly. what I'm saying? So, and, and there you go. And another way it's win-win is if the Joker kills Superman and then Mercy kills the Joker, Mercy, ha- you know, Luthor had his bodyguard kill the man who killed Superman. They're, they're heroes either way. I mean, it's, granted, it's never said. It's a public said, relations dream come right, true. Right, it's never said, but if you know anything about Lex Luthor, you know that's what's going through his head there. He's, he's thinking about how he can spin this, and that's how he would spin it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And they and that comes back into play later on. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it's <laughs> I love I love the handshake. I almost I really wish they the Joker had had the joy buzzer on just just for the hell of it. Just <laughs> just give just give Luthor a shock yeah. and just piss him it's off like, a little oh, bit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would I, I think it would have been a nice little touch. But hey, I, you know, I'm not going to complain right. about it. I mean, that's like I would have liked it if they would have used an old school BTAS title card at the beginning of this one. But again, I'm not going to complain about it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. those little things where it's like it would have been nice, but that's okay. It's still great. Um, one other thing I want to mention about this scene is I like the fact that they're showing that the Joker actually has coherent plans. I yes. mean, he he knows what he's doing here. He's going to get the kryptonite, go to Metropolis, make a deal with Lex, get some money. He thinks, and and you know, for for killing Superman. I mean, that's that, that's a really well thought out plan. It's not uh, putting a pie in Batman's face. Hello. It's it's nothing stupid. I mean, this is a very menacing plan that he's come up with, and he has some more forethought down the line. Um, before, uh, you know, he first meets Superman, he cracks the kryptonite in half, just in case that first meeting doesn't turn out to his advantage. He still has half the kryptonite. I, again, I love that. It shows the Joker has some forethought, that he's just not a lunatic bouncing from one chaotic scene to the next. This man knows what he's doing. Um, and he's one of those one of the villains we can always you know, excuse having one backup plan after another. Exactly, exactly. Because why wouldn't he? I mean, this guy's always scheming. Um, there yeah. was an issue of Detective Comics written by Paul Dini. I do not remember what issue it was, meaning the issue number. But um, Batman went into the Joker's bathroom and. He was trying to find all the Joker's plans, is what it was. Because the Joker, his mind's always running. And he's constantly, you know, they established that he's always writing down his plans. Well, mm-hmm. they couldn't find anything, um, any notes or anything. So what Batman did is he went into the washroom and he turned on the Joker's shower and just put it on, like, full blast. And when you look, when Batman looked at the, he, Batman did, or Joker didn't have a curtain. He had one of those glass shower doors. You saw all these plans written in the glass and on the tile. And they, it only mm-hmm. popped up once the steam filled up the room. It was so cool. And it showed you how chaotic, yet how, or how chaotic the Joker's mind is, but also how much of a genius he really is at the same time. And we mm-hmm. sort of get little hints of that here. And again, of course, this is also written by Dini. So I like the fact that he carried over his Joker writing style into the comics. Yeah, another thing I like about this scene is 
Joker giving grudging respect to Batman when Luthor is basically just he's like she's just a mental case in a Halloween costume. Yeah. What? How how can you kill Superman when you can't even handle that guy? Yeah. And Joker grabs him by the collar and says, "There's nothing mere about that." Moral. Yeah. yeah. I love that when you have a, a villain giving respect to a hero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very very cool. Um. So yeah. Um. After this. We finally get Bruce Wayne arriving in in Metropolis on his private jet. Or actually, no, he's he's on Luthor's jet, isn't he? Um, or is he? I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, but he's in LexCorp's airfield. Yeah, they don't necessarily establish what plane he comes on. I don't think, but yeah. I guess it may, I think it, it it is Wayne's because he's carrying the Batwing inside it. So no, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Because I think Alfred okay. shows up in another plane with the Batwing. But okay. it does. It ultimately doesn't matter. I mean, whose plane it is? Yeah, it's right. a plane, and the Batwing so, eventually shows up. That's all that makes. It. That's all that matters. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So anyway, you know, uh, as I said earlier, Lois is just. She's like, I heard he's nothing but Gotham trash, and he's rich, spoiled, and Wayne steps out of the, onto the onto the tarmac, and it's like absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> so yeah, this is where we get our streamlined Bruce Wayne. And uh, he he immediately walks up to Lois, and because this is more of, ba- of Batman coming through, he knows that Lois Lane is the key to finding Superman. Yeah, it's it's the scene's a little sad, and it makes Batman really look like a dick because later on he does fall in love for Lo- with Lois, I should say, but here he's clearly using her. If you yes. look at this scene, he's playing Lois from the first moment he set eyes on her. I mean. You could even suggest that when he decided he was going to go to Metropolis, he knew what he was going to do. He was going to, you know, swoop in, swoon Lois, find out everything he could about Lex, about Superman, and about everybody in this world. And then leave when the mission was done, and oh well if she got hurt. But that changed because he fell for her, so he actually feels bad that she ended up getting hurt. But yeah, Batman... Slash Bruce is definitely not a nice guy in this scene right here, even though he's trying to act like he is. Right. But and in in the same vein, it completely makes sense. It's more it's more of the uh cunning, manipulative Bruce oh, Wayne right, right. appearing peering through, which is another nice thing to see because we don't really get to see much of the manipulative Batman either. No. Oh, um, right, and I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm not saying he's not manipulative. I'm not saying it's out of character. I actually like it a lot. I'm just mm-hmm. simply saying he's not a nice man. Um, no. And if you actually examine this scene, you, you see it that that he is using Lois. There's there's no other way around it. But and I also love how he completely ignores Clark when <laughs> Lois you know, Lois is like, oh, this is Clark Kent, yeah. Mr. Wayne. <laughs> And just completely ignores him and just goes to help Lois pick up her purse's belongings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's he's such a dick, <laughs> and it's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Bruce asks her out on a date, and she fumbles out a yes. <laughs> Let me check my says, calendar. To- um, totally, uh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Yep, pick you up at eight. Mm-hmm. So we have we now have set up Lois and Bruce's. Uh, relationship, the beginnings there. Um, in the next scene, uh, Joker has uh, like muscles his way into this uh, mafia hideout, this gang hideout, and he. Uh, sp- you know, it's a great scene. He, he's like Caesar Carlini. I haven't seen you in. Wait, I've never seen you before. You need to get out more. 
And, you know, he takes over the hideout in a way that only he and Harley can. Uh, Harley beats up everybody with a pogo stick. Kills that first guy. Yeah. Okay, we may see him get up later, but she landed on his face with a pogo stick. She jumped from the second From the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, even from the ceiling, you're right. Lands right on his flipping face, bounces off of him, hits a table, cracks it in two, takes out two more guys in the process, probably killed them as well. I mean, granted, like I said, we see them writhing around later, but everybody in that scene is dead. I'm sorry. The Joker (laughs) has no gang. He just has a hideout at this point. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh... You know, he ends up gassing Carlini and hurls him out into the alleyway. <laughs> and he uh, takes over. You know, he says, I, oh, we need a new leader. I nominate me. I second that nomination. <laughs> <laughs> All opposed. <laughs> so, but and it's, there was a, a great little scene shift here where the next, you know, we see Carlini laughing in the alleyway. And then it just shifts right to the next scene where he's in the hospital still laughing hysterically. And Turpin and... Superman are standing in the at his bed, and Turpin's like, "We found him like this in the alleyway." And uh, uh, I think Turpin says, "We don't know who did it." Uh, and Superman says, "Oh, well, he, I know. He left his calling card because yeah. <laughs> now this is great because we know that Superman knows who the Joker is." Bingo! Yeah, yeah, I really like that. That Batman knows Superman's world, and Superman knows Batman's world. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that Superman in Metropolis, the city of tomorrow, would pay attention to freaks from Gotham City, the, you know, the city stuck in the 1930s. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's really cool. You don't expect it. Um, so, you know, after this, uh, Luthor and Wayne are observing their corporation's new technological uh, technological breakthrough hey robot yeah, alert exactly <laughs> uh is this weird crab like robot with a uh, a camera for a head and it it can basically basically can scale mountains uh with utmost ease it can just walk up up them with its claw like legs and it uh Wayne thinks that these robots are going to be able to revolutionize unmanned space travel but Luthor has other plans and they start walking to another room and Luthor says that the Joint Chiefs of Staff want these things to be used on the battlefield. But Wayne will have none of it because I don't like guns. Mm-hmm. So Luthor is like, well, wait a minute, I, I think I have something to say about this. And Wayne's like, uh, no, you don't. Uh, all technological applications have to have my approval. So, you know, blame it on me. I don't really give a crap. Uh, you know, just tell them I don't have the imagination. <laughs> And he leaves. That's so great. Luthor is so pissed off. Yeah. It's another another thing you don't get to see all that often. Is Luthor just being, uh, you know, just outsmarted and just out outclassed or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I, it was nice to see him just aggravated. Well, see what I like about that is not so much Luthor is is Bruce Wayne because previously Bruce Wayne has always been played as the kind of I don't know what's going on exactly. Dull-witted CEO. Here, no, he knows what he's doing. He's running his business. Um, and he's very... I think Luthor was trying to take advantage of the the, uh, the reputation. Right, exactly. That's what he was trying to do. He thought that Bruce lucked into his money. He didn't know what he was doing, blah, 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 blah. But Bruce knows exactly what he's doing. And he's like, no, no, this is the way things are going to be. And if you don't like it, tough. 
And I love seeing forceful Bruce Wayne because we get forceful Batman, but we normally don't get forceful Bruce, but we do here. Um, and I like the change because I'm not a big fan of the kind of wimpy sort of dumb Bruce Wayne because it's like, seriously, his his company would have suffered a hostile takeover decades ago if this is how the guy really acted. You know, he would have been, he, thank God for Lucius Fox. He would have been ousted. So I like the fact that he's taking a much more proactive, forceful role in his business affairs. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but while we're talking about the robots, one of the things that's always bothered me about the first time we see the robots or the initial robot, I should say, is that it doesn't look that big. Because, I mean, it's scaling a mountain, and it does pick up a box, but there's no scale to it. We don't see it next to a giant boulder or anything like that to show how large this thing is. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until so, – so I always thought it was just sort of like, I don't know, maybe half the size of a car, you know, like a compact car. Yeah. But when Bruce and Luthor are walking down the hall, these things are like, you see them in the case. You see a whole bunch of prototypes lined up. They're gigantic. They're like eight feet tall. And I mean, granted, they're different models, but they're still the same general design, you know? And like, they're mm-hmm. eight feet tall. They're really wide. And that's when you get the scale. And I, I just wish in that initial scene that would have had just something there to show us how big these things really are. Because they, they're huge, and they get bigger throughout the damn episode. <laughs> yeah. It's bigger and bigger. That makes me wonder, where did they have all these prototypes lying around? This is still a prototype machine, and there's, like, all these – there's, like, 40 of them. <laughs> uh, you know, Luthor, just keeping everything from everybody, even Bruce. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, after this, after Bruce makes his exit, uh, the next scene we get the uh, – Wayne and Lane connection, as I like to call them, on their their first date, and uh, you know, lo, you know, Bruce again is still in uh, get information mode, uh, talking about Superman wanting to know how you contact him, and uh, you know, you don't have a Superman signal, <laughs> and Lois at this point is pretty annoyed. He's like, she says, "Look, you, you seem awfully interested in Superman. Would you like me to set you two up?" <laughs> that was fantastic. Get the little gauge uh, in there. <laughs> yep. Under the and, <laughs> yeah, but you know, you can you can uh, see where she's coming from. She's pretty annoyed because she's not she's not very happy with Superman right now. And uh, Bruce Bruce, this billionaire playboy, is is going out with her, and all he can talk about is Superman. So it's like, <sighs> but you know, Wayne you know Wayne apologizes, says no more no more talking of the Man of Steel, and they start dancing and. That's about about all of that scene. Yeah, it's, it's a real uh, short scene just to establish their relationship and to show you that Bruce is starting to realize that he is hurting her feelings. Yeah, you know, he now at this moment he realizes what he's doing and he's not being a good guy and he knows it. So he's got to start being nice to this woman that has wasted a lot of time fawning over someone who can't be with her. So he's going to try to be with her. Right. So yeah. After, but after this, we uh, we shift to Hobbs Bay, where uh, Clark Kent is sitting in some dive, uh, some pool table bar, and uh, he he's talking with Bibbo, and he gives him some money to keep an eye out for the Joker. But you know, as usual, Bibbo is completely clueless, and he says, uh, "Which one, Mister <laughs> Kent? There's there's lots of Jokers around here." <laughs> uh, it, it's a gra- it's great, it really is, because 
Debo is just completely clueless about everything. Yeah. I love the look on Ken's face, too. He's like, oh, crap, I just gave this guy 40 bucks. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to get a damn thing out of this guy. <laughs> nope. But in the background, we see Batman scaling across rooftops, and we get to a uh, nightclub where he... Nightclub? Uh, nightclub, really? That's a PG strip club, my friend. <laughs> well, you know. It's a strip club, and you know it. It is. Well, I mean, it is. I just didn't... I just chose to say nightclub. Uh-huh. Just whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, we got the neon sign out there with the dancing mm-hmm. jiggly girl. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a strip club. And, we, of course, we got the cage girls inside there, yeah. too, so... Um, so, yeah, Batman bursts through the ceiling, and uh, one of the guys from the... Uh, the um, uh, hideout scene where Joker took over uh, is in there sitting with a bunch of a uh, bunch of hoes, basically. And uh, hey, strippers are—they're just earning an honest buck. That's all. Oh <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Same. But uh, the ones he was sitting with were hoes. That's true. They probably were. <laughs> you can you can tell that. <laughs> so anyway, Batman bursts on the scene. Buck. <laughs> It is, it is, and you know, make a bunch of lonely guys feel uh, feel good exactly. for, about themselves for for one exactly. night. Exactly, hookers and strippers provide a valuable service. They real. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So anyway, public service announcement over. Uh, Batman it jumps onto the you know bursts from through the glass ceiling onto the table, and you know he's like, "It's been a long time, bingo." So immediately, the, you know, this is great. We got. Uh, continuity we didn't know existed before. Batman has already dealt with this yeah. this clown before, and uh, he he just takes one look at this at the stripper sitting next to him, and, and she's she's like ah! and runs off. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's just this little eye twitch that he gives her. He just looks mm-hmm. at her and opens his eye just a little wider, and she's like, "I'm out of here." Boom. <laughs> Good girl. Mm-hmm. Now, as for you, Bingo. <laughs> so it's uh, he he's like he's you know using his normal threatening. Uh, banter about uh, wanting wanting to get information about uh, a new your new boss, and uh, so you know fight breaks out. Batman starts kicking some ass. He throws one of the cage girls into a uh, in the cage at the group. It knocks about four or five of them Which over. I take and, issue with because they have fucking guns. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they of course well see th- there are no sharpshooters in this movie. But we'll, we'll be clear about that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll mention that in a little bit. Yeah. But no, I, I'm uh, curious, though. I I don't know if Batman would necessarily do that. I mean, granted, those guys that he threw the cage at, they didn't have guns in hand, but you know they have the guns nonetheless. These are armed bodyguards. And mm-hmm. here's this defenseless girl in this cage. She can't get out of there, and he just uses it as a weapon. If one of those guys had been quick on the draw, she's a goner. So, uh, yeah, that's another one of my small little gripes with this one. Eventually, you know, Batman takes out everybody and uh, goes after Bingo again, who he slams up against a door and demands to know where Joker is. And he makes a great sex mm-hmm. joke and says, who knows, making a ha-ha with Harley <laughs> Quinn. <laughs> so he, you know, he grabs his neck tighter and he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then Superman comes onto the scene, grabs uh, Bruce's or Batman's arm and says, that's enough. You've gotten your answer. Batman, in one of the true defining moments of the DCAU, hurls Superman across the room into a table. And it's uh, it's every bit as cool as it sounds. Yeah, and the look on Superman's face is like, did he just throw me? 
He yeah. just throw me across the room. I mean, he is shocked that someone without superpowers literally chucked him halfway across a room. It's and and what's even better is Batman just stands there staring at Superman, and the mm-hmm. the, the 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 mobster starts to run away, and Batman doesn't even pay him any attention for a second or two. I mean, yeah, he eventually does, but he continues to stare at Superman, basically saying, "I'm watching you. I'm watching you." You're more important yep. to me right now than this guy. But, of course, that doesn't last long. Nope, because the minute he, or the second he turns to look back at the mobster, Superman shoulder charges him into a wall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he should have about six broken ribs yeah. there after that. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, Sup- Superman has yet another great line here calling, saying, I thought I, I heard you were crazy, but I didn't think you were stupid. Mm-hmm. So then he uses his X-ray vision to find out that Bruce Wayne is, in fact, Batman. And Batman is, of course, none too pleased about this, saying, you peaked. Um, so they have a, you know, they have their threatening dialogue, but then, uh, and Wayne says, look, you'll be rid of me once I get rid of the Joker. And Superman's like, that's not going to be soon enough. I don't like vigilantism. I won't have it in my town. But then Batman pulls out his little shard of kryptonite and Superman starts to weaken, and it, you know he's, it's hurting him. And Batman's like, "It doesn't take much, does it?" So he throws it into a glass of red wine, I assume, which is why he can continue standing up. I, I've, I, I've, I've always assumed that's what he, he just throws it into like a glass of red liquid, and that's why the, the kryptonite doesn't hurt him anymore after that. It's just kind of. Oh, weird. I don't even think about that. I always assumed the the glass had a little lead in it or something. I don't know because <laughs> I know old school glasses used to have a little lead in them. Um, mm-hmm. so I just assumed this was an older glass and that's how Superman was able to not collapse and piss his pants. I don't know. <laughs> this is the city of tomorrow. They don't have old school glasses there. <laughs> okay. Then it's the white, the red wine. <laughs> it diffuses that's... the kryptonite somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Red. It's, it's the colors. It's the colors. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, Batman disappears. And Superman is left to wonder what the hell just happened. Mm-hmm. So then the next scene we get. Well, hang on, hang on. Know, Before we get there, okay. we get there. Okay. I want I want to stay on the the strip club or the night club for just just another minute. There's a couple of things that I really like about this scene, and we'll start uh, backwards and work our we'll work our way backwards. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. I I like how when Batman throws the little piece of kryptonite in the little Ziploc bag at Superman and it goes to land in the glass, Superman actually cowers away from it. I'm not talking when Superman Batman's walking towards him with it. I'm talking when Batman actually flicks it at him in his general direction. Superman actually kind of ducks away just from this little piece. I mean, this thing is, it's just a sliver. It's nothing. It's the size of a fingernail. It's that, yeah. And he's freaked out by this. He doesn't want to be anywhere near it, and I love that. that. That shows you how intimidated he is by just the smallest piece of kryptonite. Um, while we're talking about the kryptonite, oh my God, like the lighting effect on the kryptonite is godly. Beautiful. I mean, when Bruce is pulling it out of his belt, when he's holding it, you know, when it contrasts all the colors in the club, when it's mixed in with the wine and the shadows it's putting on the table, that is some of the most beautiful colors I've ever seen in all of the DCAU. I know it sounds weird to focus on the colors and the palette, but seriously. If, if, yeah, we won't get this kind of effect until we get back to Batman Beyond. Right, and when they're constantly doing the nightclub scenes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and I think the last thing I wanted to mention about this scene, and it's something, and I've seen this movie a ton of times, but this is the very first time I noticed it, is when um, Superman puts his hand on Batman's shoulder before Batman throws him, three chords from the classic Christopher Reeve uh, Superman theme play. As soon as huh. Superman touches him, it's like, dun, dun, dun. And then Batman throws him across the room. Go rewatch that scene. It's just three okay. chords. And it's, whenever I hear that theme, I get chills. And when I finally noticed it, I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but the, well, the music in that, and once Superman and Batman uh, meet, that the music is just, I mean, not to say it wasn't good before, but it's just awesome. Just the all the music uh, in the background is there, you know, bantering back and forth and threatening each other, and it's really, really yeah, great music. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a quite quite the awesome meeting between these two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after this, we see Clark Kent's apartment where he's uh, he gets a call from Lois Lane saying that she's going to be late and she's going to breakfast with Bruce. And Who's already had time to send her flowers, mind you. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in all of this, Bruce had time to send Lois Lane for like a dozen roses. He beats up Superman, and, picks up some flowers, drops them off, and then goes and stalks Superman. <laughs> well, you never know. Maybe he delivered them earlier in the day. I know. I just like thinking he beat up Superman, got the flowers, <laughs> and then went back to Superman. <laughs> Hey, 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 any, any mortal could do it, I guess it would be uh, Batman. Yeah, I mean, chances are Alfred probably actually sent them, but I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get uh, Lois in a very, very, very short nighty. <laughs> yeah, just had to mention that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Clark is is just like, oh, well, isn't that special? <laughs> You're going to breakfast with Bruce. <laughs> and, and Lois is like, do I detect a note of disapproval? Oh, I love this Lois playing with Clark again, and uh, Clark notices something on his on his Superman cape. He's, at this point, he's in his pajamas, about to go to bed. But he notices on his cape uh, there's a little blinking light, and he looks a little closer at it. Uh oh, it's a bat emblem, and you know he hangs. Lois hangs up on him, and he looks like miles and miles across the city. And he sees Batman sitting on a rooftop, staring at him with a pair of binoculars. <laughs> and I really want to say, I really want to believe that uh, Batman was flipping uh, Superman <laughs> off there. But I, I know he wasn't. But I really want to believe that's what they were going for there. Yeah, because he just gives like, that little wave like, before it ducked away. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He's, he was basically saying, "Fuck you, yeah, buddy. We're even." Know. Yeah. You used X-ray vision. I'll use my means. Now we're on the. E now we have an even playing field. Let's go. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> And the, it's, and that's how the first episode ends when you when it was just and if you're watching this on the DVDs or you watched it on TV that's how the the first episode ended he's, he goes too shit yeah, and he squishes squishes the little uh, transmitter and that's how the episode ends yeah that to me was the perfect way to end that first episode because at this point the only people that are working together are the villains. Those are the only mm -hmm. people that are on the same page. The heroes haven't even come together yet. I mean they've met, but. They're at odds. They just got done fighting. They've just cheated to get each other's secret identities. They don't like each other. Oh, my God. How are they going to overcome this animosity to beat Joker with his kryptonite and Luthor with his robots and all his money? I mean, this was such an awesome cliffhanger. Um, yeah, A-plus right there with 
with how they ended that episode. So as this, you know, the second part of this uh, three-parter starts, uh, we have uh, Lois uh, typing up a story for the Daily Planet, and Bruce appears and uh, is about to take her on a date for you know that night to like uh, dinner and dancing basically, and uh, this is where. Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne really start having their first uh, conversations, and it's kind of cool how uh, Lois is really what keeps them from just basically screaming at each other. Yeah. It's uh, you know Lois uh, Lois says, "Hey Kent, uh, hey Kent, will you uh, keep Bruce busy for a minute while I uh, go you know do what do whatever?" And regale uh, him with tales like, of the nightlife from Smallville. Life in Smallville. <laughs> I love the accent yeah. she put on it. It's like the the nightlife in Smallville. Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, yeah, and, and I love I love how uh, Clark is like actually Lois because uh, he does not want to talk to Bruce yeah. Wayne at this point, yeah. <laughs> and it's obvious. But then Bruce uh, says she never stops, does she? And he's like, not that I've noticed. So it's it's weird because right off the bat there it's kind of it's kind of friendly banter. But then uh oh. Uh, any luck finding the clown? Yeah. So it's like right back to to being serious and not liking each other. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's it was great, great mood swings there. You know, see, um, what I like about this scene is that when uh, Lois starts to first walk away from the desk, they, they cut to Bruce waving at Clark again. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. the same wave, but he's waving at him again. And I think that's awesome because it's just like, hey, remember me? I know you do. Remember the other night when I did this to you? I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's really a a very funny scene and a very – Bruce burns Clark. I mean he burns him good uh, because he's – Clark starts – uh, saying, look, your reputation is dubious in and out of costume, so I don't know. You're, you know, you're dividing your attention between trying to capture this clown and dating Lois, and I don't approve. And Bruce is like, oh, I'm taking Lois very seriously. Besides, it seems you already had your chance. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> uh, so, you know, at that point, uh, Lois and Bruce leave, and Bruce says, be seeing ya. <laughs> Oh god, it's such a great little scene. It's only like a minute long, yeah. but yeah, again, it's just it's, it's like so many scenes in this movie. It's just a few seconds to a minute long, and it it accomplishes so much. Um, so you know, in the next scene, uh, I think we go from I think uh, here we go to where Bruce and uh, Lois are at the yeah we go straight to the date yeah right, and uh, you know they're they're talking and. Uh, Bruce really starts to lay it on. He, you know, Lois says, "The nightlife, the night, the city is so beautiful at night." And Bruce is like, "Really? I wasn't looking at the oh city." Oh my god, that's so cheesy, but I know that would work <laughs> on so many women. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> uh, and it, it was, and it was actually acted very well yeah. too. It didn't it didn't really come off as cheese? No, ball. it came off very romantic in that sort of classy kind of nineteen forties film kind of way. It, it worked. Mm-hmm. It definitely worked. I mean, I can poke fun yeah. at it, but yeah, it was. Yeah, I think Lois actually started blushing. There. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Joker at this point, you know, bursts onto the scene and is like, "Hey, don't you know you're you're horning in on Superman's main squeeze?" <laughs> he uh, he electrocutes Lois <laughs> at, with the joy buzzer, which should have come into play earlier, but I'll, I'll uh, again I'll drop it there. Um, and Bruce. 
just, just charges at him, says, get your hands off her, you, and then they start shooting at him, miss him with about, I don't know, what, 500, 600 bullets? Yeah, they're roughly uh, six inches away, and they're all shooting at his feet. At his feet! They, they never shoot at his chest or his head or even his legs. They're shooting at his feet. They're, they're making him dance. Maybe that maybe Joker ordered them to do that. See, that's what I thought at first too. But then when Bruce stumbles and falls over the balcony, yeah, and he lands on the um, shit. What is that? The, the painter's right, rack yeah. or the window washer right, rack? Yeah. He's the Joker's like, make sure he's street pizza. So they all start shooting to try to kill him there too. So the Joker yeah. obviously wanted him dead, whether he was shot or fell. Or whatever. He wanted the guy dead, so... I, I... How did these guys ever get into the mob? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, if they were across the room, I could buy it. But because they really were just like two feet away, I do definitely take issue with their aim. <laughs> Not that I wanted to see yeah. a bunch of holes in Bruce Wayne. It's the point. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and here's where I, the, the, I don't even take as much of an issue with this as the way Bruce survives the fall. Mm-hmm. He falls God knows how many stories and he catches himself on a ledge. His arms should have been ripped from their sockets. Right, yeah. There is no way, no way any human being could have survived yeah, and, that. And way. no one questions him. It's like, wow, that was a nifty, nifty save there, Mr. Wayne. It's like, I'm glad you're okay, buddy. You know, like, like hello, does, does someone want to take this guy to the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and his suit is completely un- untattered. Exactly. <laughs> his his suit is more resilient than some of Superman's alternate costumes. <laughs> yeah, as we'll find out in a, in a few yeah, minutes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, they're all you know. Once the police arrive, uh, you know, Joker takes off in his blimp with uh, with Lois, and I have question where he got the blimp because yeah. he's apparently broke, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, he takes off, kidnaps Lois, and back on the ground we've got Superman, Turpin, and Bruce uh, talking about uh, uh, Turpin saying, look, we'll get her back, Mr. Wayne. Don't you worry. And Bruce says, thank you, Inspector, blah, blah, blah. And immediately he turns to Superman after Turpin walks off and says, you know she's just the bait. Mm-hmm. And then Superman just completely writes off the Joker as not not a threat at all. You know, I'll just go in there and muscle my way into getting Lois back, basically. But uh, and he's saying, "Look, I'll be careful." And Bruce, uh, Bruce, you know, chastises him and says, "Careful won't cut it." You know, expect the unexpected with the Joker. And then Superman comes right back and says, "Maybe you should have thought about yeah, that." Yeah, that was nice because, you know, Superman, as you pointed out just a few minutes ago, he's getting schooled by Batman, sort of left and right. And I like Superman getting one up on Batman here. Basically saying, mm-hmm. you know this guy better than anybody else, and you let him win this 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 battle here. That's bullshit. I'm out of here. I'm <laughs> going to go clean up your mess. I definitely dig that. Oh, because yeah. Because, I, I mean, I understand that Batman is manipulative, that he's going to do whatever he can to get his way. But at the same time, it shouldn't be at the expense of someone like Superman. Superman should be able to get the better of Batman every once in a while. Um, be it physically, be it verbally, be it whatever. And I, I, for the most part, I like the balance in this episode. I think it's 60-40 with Batman getting the majority, but uh, Superman does definitely have his moments where he's the one that has the upper hand. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, and this and this is where we have Superman in the uh, police precinct uh, and he receives a message from Joker. And uh, Joker, what Joker does is on this video monitor, he uh, shines this ridiculously bright light that, you know, Turpin can't look at because he's 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 shielding his eyes from it. And Superman looks like squints through it and sees a secret message that Joker, you know, the map basically to where he is. And that's that's how he's assuring that uh, Superman will come alone and not bring anybody with him. So Superman flies off to uh, a LexCorp lab where uh, where Joker happens to be holding Lois and this gargantuan chunk of kryptonite. And he's in his lead suit. So he was he did plan ahead a little bit, but as it'll turn out, he didn't plan too uh, far enough ahead because uh, he comes in and at at first he gets the upper hand. Joker, it seems like Joker has been uh, foiled immediately because the kryptonite has no effect. He's like, all right, I'm going to ask you one more time. (laughs) And it's a great, it's a great moment. It really is. The Joker proudly holds out. He's before that. He's like, Ooh, your Sunday best, you know, or whatever. And the Joker proudly holds out that, that half. Because at this point, the dragon, uh, has been split in half. He bu- he, yeah. yeah, and he proudly holds it out, and nothing. And he just kind of like juts it at him, like one or two times, with this kind of frown on his face, like, "Why isn't this working?" You know. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. Superman just grabs him, and they end up leaving. You know, going into the other room where Lois is, and of course the Joker's all dejected, or we think he's dejected. Of course, this was all probably part of the plan, because with him, oh, it isn't it just about killing the heroes; it's about playing with them, having fun, beating them mentally too. You know, because he knows he can't beat these guys physically, but can he outwit them? That's the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and su- when Superman first arrives on the scene, he bursts through the ceiling, and Joker's like, more powerful than a locomotive, and just about as subtle. <laughs> that was a, that's a great line. Um, but yeah, so they walk into the other room, and Joker's like, I had everything planned so perfectly, but he's like, oh, right, that's it. I forgot the acid, and he sprays... Uh, Superman with the acid and melts the lead suit away and he throws the kryptonite at him and thus Joker starts beating the crap out of Superman electrocuting him and kicking him in the face right and left. He should have so, pulled out a crowbar. I swear to God, I would have marked out. This would have gotten 11 <laughs> if he pulled out a crowbar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, too violent for the That's kids. That's true. That's true. Um... So anyway, uh, Batman, who was tracking Superman the whole time, uh, arrives through the hole that Superman so conveniently placed in the ceiling. And uh, Harley Quinn sees him coming and alerts Joker. And when Batman arrives in the room that Superman is is like laying almost comatose in, uh, he looks up and sees Lois, and he he you know kicks the kryptonite away, and uh, he. Uh, Says, I'll be back in a minute. But then the door closes behind him and he's trapped in there where, with Joker toxin starting to spew in through the vents. And, you know, Joker and Quinn appear on the monitor in the room and saying, hey, three for the price of one. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they start mocking him. And, and one of, one of the simple little laughs I had in this movie, uh, Batman just throws the kryptonite at the TV. Hey, just, he's so pissed off. He's like, damn it. He just right at the television. <laughs> yeah. And I laugh. Every time I see that, I just yeah, laugh. It's one of those things where sometimes I think he does it out of frustration. Sometimes I think he does it because there's obviously a camera behind the, the screen. We see it. Mm-hmm. So was he doing it so the Joker couldn't see 
what was going on in the room, or was he doing it, again, out of frustration? I don't know. I could go either way, but no matter how you slice it, it's funny, because yes, it, it's funny. It's Batman throwing kryptonite at a TV. <laughs> and the TV doesn't explode. <laughs> it just cracks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, animators. So, yeah, anyway... Uh... You know, Batman starts looking around the room and he sees all these these tube or tubs full of hydrochloric acid, and he's thinking to himself, "Well, maybe I can use it to uh, melt the wall down." But he's like, "No, no, that'll take like a week." So he puts it down, but then Superman musters out a no kryptonite, <laughs> and <laughs> and Batman takes one of the the uh, canisters full of uh, hydrochloric acid over there and uh, pours it on top of the kryptonite, melting it, and. Uh, it, it's here where I have to wonder. I, kind of, I find it a little perturbing that Batman would just pour this chemical on top of kryptonite, not knowing what kind of chemical reaction might take place. Yeah, it's one of those things where I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, he really had no other choice. Yeah, really. He was going to die if he died by explosion or died by Joker. Toxin. Right. I mean, what was he going to do? You know? And yeah. so. In another situation, sure, he, if given the time, he would have tested it out, but he just doesn't have the time here, and he has to take the risk. And what I really liked was that he doesn't stay hovering over the kryptonite as it's turning into vapor there. He actually backs away before the the, the gas gets to his uh, mouth and nose. Uh, he, he pulls mm-hmm. away because he doesn't want to breathe this shit. He doesn't know what's going to happen. So I thought that was good yeah. – uh, storytelling simply through the storyboarding and through the animation, just Batman slowly walking away. Like, let's let this do its thing. Okay. Let's, let's get going now mm-hmm. I, for the most part. I love the writing in this episode, in this movie, I should say, but here's one line that I wasn't crazy about. Batman picks up Superman off the floor and he's like, and he whispers, he's like, pull it together, Kent or Joker gets the last laugh. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, if Robin were to say that, if Batgirl were to say it, I would even suggest if Superman said it, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But Batman, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you feel about that? Hey, it's camp. <laughs> we know about that, yeah, don't we? Yeah, we do. I don't know. It's just... It just doesn't work for me with this new kind of darker Batman that they're going for, as if the right. BTAS Batman wasn't dark enough. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it just—I don't know. It it, it just—it just always it aggravates. Always, yeah. all, since the first time I saw it, it gets under—it's gotten under my skin. Um, but while we're speaking about lines, another one of my favorites uh, is delivered from the Joker here before Batman enters this whole scene. Uh, the Joker is leaving, and as he's walking past Superman, he's like, "Feel free to expire anytime." Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that line; it's it's perfect. And again, it's all in the delivery, and Hamill delivers it perfectly. Another thing I liked about uh, Joker there is after he's he uh, is electrocuting Superman, Superman sizzles. Does he? It's like it's like. Oh shit! I didn't notice that. It's awesome. Another that's another thing we don't talk much about the sound effects, except in episodes like the Demon's Quest and episodes like that and the movies. But damn, that was an awesome little yeah. touch. It's like you don't know. Maybe that's his skin sizzling because he's weakened it from the kryptonite. Be. It very well could be. But yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, you know the you know Superman, Batman, and Lois escape from the room and. Uh, they confront the Joker in the con- in this computer room, and uh, 
Superman's like, it's over, Joker. And Joker throws down a, a bag of marbles, and to which to which Superman is like, he's got to be kidding. And he starts running running towards it, and then they all start exploding. So Batman, once again, evens the score by saying, expect the unexpected. And then they leave, and in the parking lot, uh, Superman carries them all out to the uh, flies them all out to the parking lot. Batman forcefully removes his arm from behind him before he was carrying him out. And Superman's like, thank you. I couldn't have saved Lois without your help. And he just says, I'm aware of that. That that might be my favorite just uh, line in the entire movie, just just based on how it's delivered. Yeah, and He's just like, I'm, a, I'm aware yeah, of that. It's one of those things where, okay, Superman says, as you just said, he says, I couldn't have saved Lois without your help. Superman didn't save Lois. Batman saved Superman and Lois. Okay, true. Superman got him out of that room, but still, I, I, I'm firm in my belief that that Batman saved them all, and Superman did nothing but get his ass kicked by the clown. Pretty much. I, I don't know. I don't know. If someone wants to fight me on that one, go ahead and send your emails in. But that was Batman's save, and Superman was trying to take credit for it in front of the in front of his <laughs> woman, and Batman was like, he wasn't going to have that. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm aware of that. I see. <laughs> Anyways, but Bef- I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say before we uh, jump any further, I meant to mention uh, something when uh, Joker was giving Superman the message in the police precinct. Joker calls Turpin Turnip. Yeah, <laughs> it just it's like am great yeah. Turnip. I want to talk to the boy in and, blue. I, I can't believe I forgot to mention. What that. I like is when uh, when <laughs> Turnip Turnip. <laughs> <laughs> you better leave that when, in. No, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to edit it out. That's funny. When, when Turpin, <laughs> so he starts yelling back at the Joker, and Superman, he wants to see the monitor. He just shoves Turpin out of the way. He's not even yeah. like, excuse me, or a gentle shove. I mean, he shoves him out of the way. Granted, he doesn't go flying into the wall or anything, but it's not a, a gentle gesture that that, that happens. There. No. Oh, Turpin probably <laughs> fell out of his chair at the very least. I thought that was funny. Um, now, in the scene where Lois is hanging and the gas is filling the room, I can buy Superman holding his breath long enough to not breathe the Joker gas. I can right. buy Batman doing it. But Lois, I mean, she's a normal person. She's in a stressful situation. She had to have held her breath for a couple of minutes to not be able to breathe even just an ounce of that gas. Now, she was surrounded exactly. by it, too, because she's right up there near the exactly. vents. I mean, you can call it nitpicking if you want, but really, as you said, she's right there by it. So I don't think it's nitpicking to mention that she probably should have been taken over by that gas. But, I mean, I understand why they didn't do it. And, again, I'm not suggesting that they should have done it that way. It's just the gas probably should have been in another part of the room, so it wasn't even anywhere near her at that point. I th- they 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 should have put it in a vent in the bottom corner of the of the other side right. of the room where it starts just kind of seeping in and that's the only place it comes from. It comes from like three different places here and it's all in the ceiling near near yeah. Lois. Yeah. So yeah, it it doesn't make any sense at yeah. all. Um now you left out one of the most badass parts of that interaction between Superman and Batman. After Batman says I'm aware of that. Oh yeah, because this and this goes back to my gripe about him having his arm ripped mm-hmm. off. He uh, you know, he shoots the grapple up into the air. Or actually, I take that back. He reaches into his utility belt, presses a button on this little uh, just this little remote. uh, keech, yeah, remote. Thank you. And the Batwing flies out from the background 
uh, and he just shoots the grapple in, and he doesn't attach to the wing, the, the, uh, the, uh, rope, I guess for lack of a better word, uh, it wraps around the wing because it's going so fast. It just goes yeah. and just wraps wraps around the wing, and it carries him up into the sky. Now it is a badass moment. No, don't get me wrong. It's just you know, again, it should have ripped his arm <laughs> off. Yeah, it was one of those scenes when I first saw it. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yes. <laughs> like, why haven't I seen that before in the comics? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just adding on to uh, to Batman. Being like, no, no, I saved the yeah. day. You were, you were another victim. Yeah, he's totally wagging his dick in front of Lois. Is what he's doing. It's totally what he's doing. He's showing up, Superman. Um, so that way Bruce Wayne can get into her panties later. Because even though Lois doesn't know at this point that Bruce is Batman, if mm-hmm. Batman can make Superman look like a pussy, she's gonna think less about Superman and less of Superman and more about any other guy that's in her life. And that just happens to be Bruce right then and there. So. I think that was a cunning plan on Bruce's part to get a little mm-hmm down the line. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure he got at some oh, point uh, in, during this movie anyway, during the timeline of this oh, movie yeah. anyway. Oh, yeah. Superman definitely is getting Batman sloppy seconds. Sorry for our Netflix <laughs> listeners, but that really is what happened here. I mean, granted, throughout the course of the show, Superman and Lois never truly hook up, if I remember correctly. Um, do they, now, I don't mean this episode, I mean no. the DCAU, they never hook up, right? No, but you know, eventually they will. And, uh, yeah, Batman had her first. Um, so yeah, didn't mean to offend our female listeners, which I'm sure just went down to a whole whopping zero, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, it, that's how it now, goes. On, just how it is. There's, there's one question I have to ask, which scene was more badass? Um, the Batman spying on Superman and the touche thing or Batman using his grappling hook to zip away from that scene. Which one's more badass to you? Ooh, that's a or tough one. Have I think, other I think I'd like to throw in here before this or after this. Oh, there's, there's so many. Right. I mean, the, I think right now I'll give the edge to the cliffhanger that ended episode, the first episode, right. just because of, it ended the episode, and it was like, ha-ha, fuck you. I know your identity now. But, yeah, the way he grapples onto the Batwing, wow. It really is just really fucking cool. But, uh, you know, we're going to have many, many more badassery, or much more badassery, I should say, later on here. Yeah, for me, right now, it's the Batwing scene. And I think it may stay that way for the rest of this episode. I really don't know if there's any other scenes that can top that one. Um, maybe you can make a case for one or two down the line and we'll see if I change my mind. Um, and I would almost suggest this is within the top three, maybe the top five, um, badass scenes in the entire DCAU. Um, I can't put it at the top, because there's some things later on, uh, specifically that Batman does. Um, yeah, <laughs> they, they usually involve Batman. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they they really do. Yeah. Um, um, dropping the watchtower out of orbit uh, comes to mind. That's probably the number one scene. Um, when we get to that episode, I'll say this again, but whenever I watch that episode, where and I, I hate to get on a tangent here, but I'm gonna anyways. Um, Go ahead. But that scene where Batman puts Wally and John in the uh, 
in the escape pod, pod, and it looks like he's going to join, but then he doesn't. And he's like, it was an honor serving with you. I tear up every time I see that. Every time I see that, I just want to cry because Batman is sacrificing himself. You know, I get and I get chills when the uh, it's about to where Superman is just barely able to save yeah. him from plummeting to his death. Yeah, that that is probably the number one most badass thing in all of the DCAU. But this one right here, Batman zipping away. It's got to again it be at least in the top five, possibly the top three, and I would definitely put it there because it sets the stage for those other badass scenes down the line. I mean, yeah. Without this one, we're probably not going to get him dropping the javelin, or not the javelin, the, the watchtower. Um, there's another scene where he almost flies a javelin to his doom, and Superman has to save him again. Um, mm-hmm. What episode was that though? I don't remember. Well, are you talking about in the Doomsday episode? There's another one where Batman's about to crash a plane. Yeah, it's the doom, it's the Doomsday episode. He uh, gets the nuclear missile yeah. away from the island, and uh, no, Superman doesn't save him there. He just flies off and es- narrowly escapes before it explodes with the the nuclear kryptonite. Are warhead. you sure? I thought I thought someone pulled him yeah. out of that plane. Nope, he didn't. I remember that episode basically by okay. heart because I've seen it so many times. Okay. Well, again, if, if we don't have this scene, we don't have that one. We don't have the thing with the watchtower. We don't have so many more. Um, so this mm-hmm. one has to be in that top five because because it set the tone for all those to come, I think. So, but that's just my yeah. two cents. <laughs> so anyway, back to this uh, yeah. awesome spectacle. Yeah, what were we talking about? World's Finest? What's that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it was our namesake. Uh-oh. Actually, the uh, truth, for me, it actually it doesn't come from this episode. It actually comes from World's Finest mm-hmm. Comics. Comics, yeah, yeah, because when I was growing up, and I'm sure I've said this on the show before, um, I read the old back issues whenever I could find them of World's Finest. I mean, it was Superman and Batman teaming up. How cool was that? Um, so even though I didn't, you know, I had only got a couple of bucks a week for an allowance, that's what I would spend it on. I would I would find these back issues and I would get them. Um, and I always thought it was a great name, World's Finest Comics. Wow, it's the World's Finest Superheroes. And I thought, hey, that's a great name for a podcast down the line. So, yeah, for me, it's more from the comics, actually. So, a little, yeah, well, that a little, makes sense. Let's get a little history about the show. There we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interject it wherever exactly. we can. So, uh, anyway, after all the badassery and everything else, uh, Lois and Superman are still standing in the parking lot. Lois just remembers, hey, what happened to Bruce? <laughs> And uh, she's like, is, is he okay? Is he alive? You know, and Superman's like, he's fine. <laughs> Just fine. <laughs> uh, it's It really is, is as funny and as cool as it sounds because Superman you know, at this point has just been humbled mm-hmm. on many levels and he has to tell this, uh, tell this woman who used to fawn over him all the time <laughs> that uh, – you know the, that her boyfriend is is just is all well and good. Um, yeah. So after after this, um, we have uh, we have Luthor coming back into play because he hasn't been shown for yeah. a while, and uh, he has to answer because the the uh, grenades that uh, Joker dropped made made that entire building explode because there were just so many of them, and uh, Luthor is. Have, it's the next day in the, in the parking lot. He's having to assure the press that look, no, there's no nuclear, nothing nuclear here. There's no danger to the community, and blah 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 blah. And they're just grilling him, and he he escape, he, you know, he basically gets away and to the lim- his limo, and 
while he's walking to his limo, he whispers to Mercy, how, how could I have ever trusted that clown? <laughs> and Clark Kent, who happens to be among the press there, overhears him saying this. And uh, this sets the seeds for his uh, investigation into what Luthor's role in all of this is. So, uh, yeah, uh, after that, um, we get uh, Luthor proceeding to go to Joker's hideout and basically just shooting the door down. Oh, hang on, hang on. Before that, we actually get a scene <laughs> yeah. of yeah. <laughs> go ahead. You, you trying tell. to cheer up Joker, and she's got, like, she's got this little <laughs> Batman. What was it made out of? I, I don't even know. It was a gingerbread oh, cookie, I think. Okay, yeah, she's got, like, a cookie or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it has to be edible because she's like, Hey, Mr. J, I'm the, I'm the Batman. Eat me, eat me. <laughs> and what does Joker say? He's like, he, he's like, I understand you're just trying to cheer me up. But then he like totally screams at her and he's all like, but I don't want to be cheered up when I just blew a billion dollar deal. <laughs> and I mean, I, it really kills my appetite. Go, there you go. And I mean, it just, it just shows you how, okay, yeah, Harley's insane, but it shows you how sweet she really is. She really does mean well. Um, and she really does love this man. The Joker probably doesn't love her, but she does love him, and she's going to do what's right by him, and, and I like that. Um, I don't like the fact that she's in an abusive relationship. Please don't think I'm saying that. I just... No, we don't need to open that, that no, up. No, we don't. Not at all. Um, I, I don't like the taste of my foot. I'm, I'm just saying... I, I like the characterization is really what I'm saying here because you, you really do come to understand the relationship here. Again. Yeah. 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 Cause it, it, I mean, we've seen it at least two other times where maybe probably three, uh, full episodes dedicated to that, that relationship. Right. They, they really do. We're getting a little bit of right. it again. They, knew, they need to reestablish it in this episode because you have people who don't like Batman, but they like Superman. So this might be their first exposure to Batman and all these characters in a Superman cartoon. You know what I'm right. saying? So they don't know who Harley is. They don't know that the Joker has a girlfriend because they didn't see BTAS. But now that they're watching this, they've come to understand uh, what's going on between these two characters and how it informs uh, their relationship and the entire uh, parts of the, the parts of the episode. Yeah. And, in 20 seconds, they just establish it again. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that, you know, at that point, that's when uh, Mercy just blows the door away with a machine gun fire with a gun that really is about as big as her torso. Yeah, it, it was like a gun that Cable would carry. I mean, this is a yeah. gun from the X Men comics. This is something Rob Liefeld would draw. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah. Uh, after all the gunfire has ceased and the doors are completely disintegrated, Joker finds finds out it's Luthor and Mercy walking in, and Joker's like, "Honestly, Lex, <laughs> don't you think I feel bad enough already?" <laughs> so Luthor just grabs him and starts screaming at him, calling him an idiot, and how how dare you use one of my laboratories for this nonsense? And and at this point, Joker calls upon. Harley, to uh, basically uh, put Luthor in his place, he just says, Harley? And she's like, put him down, Baldy. And then Luthor goes, Mercy. And Mercy just <laughs> drop kicks her across the room. And in the background, we just get this cat <laughs> And it complete with the cat yeah, exactly, sounds, too. Exactly. <laughs> and it's awesome because it's like, 
it's it goes on in the background while they're while the while Luthor and Joker are having a serious conversation yeah. in the foreground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at little Miss can't take a joke <laughs> and like throwing each other across the room, complete with some awesome sound what effects. I, liked, I must say, what I liked was that there's one point where they start fighting and the Joker just pauses. It's before he and Lex really start talking. He just pauses right. and kind of straightens out his suit and his tie, and he just lets the fight happen, just so we, the yeah. viewers, it was all about us, the viewers. It was almost like the Joker was breaking the fourth wall, going, I'm going to take ten seconds so you can enjoy this fight. Okay, now I'm ready to talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. And it's like the forklift of randomness. Yeah, yeah. If and if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I may have explained this on a, a previous episode. But there's this uh, there was this episode of WWF Raw several years ago where uh, uh, you know Big Show and Booker T were having a fight backstage, and then just in the background we see Ric Flair and Triple H. Like, we see Ric Flair hurt, like like he's hurting traffic or something, and Triple H just drives by on a forklift. <laughs> And it's never they never pan away to it. It's just they continue to focus on the the fight in the foreground. And it, it's just Triple H driving around a forklift. The whole thing just happens in like a span of eight seconds. And it was and, and I dubbed it the forklift of randomness because that's what it was. It was just so random. And that's what it reminded me of, this this cat fight. It's just it's like there's really no attention being paid to it, but you know it's going on. <laughs> oh, and it's oh god, it's so funny. It's so you know, Anyway, in the in the serious part of the, uh, half of this scene, uh, Luthor is just like, "You owe me an explanation." And Joker's like, "Look, how was I supposed to know that Batman was going to get involved?" And Luthor's like, "Batman, he followed you to Metropolis." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, like it's my fault. <laughs> like it's my fault." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And he's like, "Look, I can still get the job done. I've still got half the kryptonite, but if I have to cope with two two uh, bullies in long underwear, the price goes up." And Luther's like, "Unacceptable! You can't even handle uh, some mental case in a flight mask." <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, basically he just leaves it like, "Look, this is your last chance." And he uh, calls Mercy to come, and she's just limping away. Her 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 uh, outfit is just tattered and. There's bandages falling off of her head, <laughs> and she just limps away, and they leave. Like, and Luthor, like nothing ever yeah. happened with Luthor, just like normal. So then, Joker's just sitting there, and uh, Harley comes up, and she's just as bad in bad shape, if not worse. And she, <laughs> the, she, her clothes are all tattered, and Joker's like, "So how are you doing, Snooker? <laughs> are you okay, Mister J?" And she just falls. <laughs> That scene was just fantastic. It was so simplistic, but it was just fan- utterly fantastic uh, and comedic on every imaginable level. Yeah, because it's 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 a comedic scene in a pretty serious episode. If you really look at this episode, I mean, it has its moments where it's funny, but it's it's dark at its core. It's about the Joker coming to Metropolis to murder Superman. That's that's not yeah. funny. Um, but the writers know when to sneak the humor in there to lighten up the otherwise dark over uh, tone of of the show. Yes. Um. So let's see what happens after this. After this, um, you uh, we go to Lois's apartment, and uh, Clark Kent stops by uh, to tell Lois that he thinks that Luthor is in cahoots with the Joker. But he didn't know that Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne happened to be there too, and uh, he's like, "Oh, I didn't know you had company." And she just starts to walk off. But uh, Lois is like, "No, you could at least, you know, tell me what you came by to say." 
and uh, you know he tells he tells Lois what he knows, and uh, you know she's like, "Wow, Lex, you think?" <laughs> and uh, and uh, Ken's like, "I can't prove it yet." So Bruce interjects and says, "I could always ask him." <laughs> uh, so in the very next scene, uh, Batman just storms into Luthor's. Uh, condo or loft or wherever he is and uh in the middle it's like like three in the morning and luthor's in bed and he wakes up he's like what 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 and uh batman just walks right up to him and he's just luthor is scared yeah you don't see this side of luthor all that often (laughs) i thought it was cool yes because he to this point he thought that batman was just a joke it was just this this urban legend who or if if that even if he deserved even that much credit. Right. I mean, plus uh, you have, now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say now he's he's got to take him seriously. Right. What I was gonna say is plus you also have to consider that Luthor is not used to being confronted like this. Superman right. doesn't barge in. He'll hover outside the window, and Luthor might invite him in, and they might have some words. But he's not used to having basically a full frontal assault. You know, he doesn't have to face that, but that's what happens here. Batman just storms in right through the right through the balcony windows and jumps on the bed and gets in his face and is, you know, demanding information. And he takes care of a bodyguard, the bodyguard, in, in the form of Mercy. And poor Mercy. She gets owned right I mean, and left in this Okay, thing. let's go through what happens to Mercy. She She gets hit in the face with the boxing glove gun. She gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something else that happens before the cat fight. Shoot, what are we um, missing? I could swear there's something else that happens there. But regardless, there's the cat fight. Now Batman slugs her uh, without even yeah, looking. Exactly. Later on, she'll get beat up again and tied to one of those robots. I mean, by the end of this, we see her in like, like she's got bandages on her head and she's on her arms in a sling. And it's like, yeah, take a vacation, honey. I, I much prefer- at least she's in good spirits yeah, at the end I, I, too, as we'll find out. It would have been funny <laughs> if at the end they just showed her sitting on a beach in her cast, you know, watching TV or yes. listening to the radio or something. Same scene, just different location. Just like I'm taking a break, Luthor. You know, screw you. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was I saying? Oh, about Luthor. I, I liked this dynamic. Batman shows up and basically lets Luthor know, I'm not Superman. I'm not going to play by the rules. I'm coming into your condo. I'm getting in your face, and you're going to give me the fucking information. And if you don't like it, well, you're going to have a big, big problem. And I'm just going to come right, right back. Right, exactly, exactly. You don't want to give me the information now? Fine, think about it. I'll be back. That sort of thing. <laughs> um, what I also like about this scene is that Luthor doesn't move an inch when Mercy pulls that gun on the back of Batman's skull. He was prepared to have brains blown all over him. And that sort of tells you that this scene may have happened before, not necessarily like this in Luthor's room, because, again, we're establishing that hasn't happened before. But what it's establishing is that Mercy has murdered someone right in front of Luthor, possibly getting him a little bloody, because he doesn't even flinch at her popping up and about to murder this man. Uh-oh. Right. He just kind of looks up a little bit to see her behind him. I think that might have been a little bit of what hinted at Batman that she was there, but, um, you know, possibly not because, you know, he's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and it's great because he just dispatches of her in a matter of a half of yeah. a second. 
It's just a back. Which is punch. really, that's really what puts Luthor into panic mm-hmm. mode. Yeah, that's his number one bodyguard. And now she's down. Down. Oh. And that's another thing. We have a, a man hitting a woman. That's the first time that's happened. Uh, to this point, I think, where it's like just full on the screen. You see it happening. In the like DCAU a, uh, or? I think so. Uh, we didn't see Joker hitting Harley, did we? No, I'm trying to think if we ever saw Batman hit Red Claw. I don't think so. I want to say there was once. I do want to say there... I I know there was one where you hear Batman hit Harley off screen. And I I really want to say there was one point where we do see an on-screen man-on-woman punch. But Hmm. I'm going to have to leave it up to our listeners. Because I can't remember. Yeah, I I could have sworn this was the first time we see... uh... A guy hitting a, a woman it might be. on on screen, and, and if it's not the first time, at the very least, it's the most violent so far. It's oh yeah, def- <laughs> I mean, because she's out cold. She's just like cow. I mean, she's just knocked out on the floor, and she doesn't get up right away. It, once Batman leaves, she kind of curls up in the fetal position and is like, oh, really struggling to get up. That lets you know he didn't pull that punch. Mm. Oh no. And uh, you know, at this point, Luthor. You know, his other bodyguards, the lesser yeah. guys, storm in, and they're like, w- what happened? And they and he just orders yeah. them out. He's like, get <laughs> out. And uh, at the you know at this point, Luthor uh, tells Mercy to uh, call the Joker because they need uh, – he needs one last meeting mm-hmm. uh, to discuss since they're going to have to deal with Batman after all. And uh, it goes back to my point. I loved how – Luthor didn't take Batman seriously at all, and now it's like, oh, yeah. he might even be worse worse than mm-hmm. Superman. So, yeah, it was really nice characterization there. Um, so, yeah, uh, what happens now is that uh, uh, Joke, Joker is going to set up a double trap, one for Superman and one for Batman. Uh, Superman, he what he's, what he's going to do is he's luring Superman out to sea uh, by sending a phony distress call from uh, a ship, that you know, a passenger ship, and uh, it'll turn out to be real because it'll, it, it blows a hole into the side of the, uh, the hull of the ship. And uh, that's and Superman's going to have to deal with that for who knows how long. And Batman, in the meantime, is going to have to deal with Joker and one of the Wayne Lex robots at Hobbs Bay by himself. So, you know, Batman... And I think that's and that's where the uh, second episode ends. Is the the uh, this a ship's been blown uh, has a hole blown into it, and then uh, Batman has to fight the robot. On yeah, his I own. think that is the second cliffhanger. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, as the third episode opens up, Superman is trying his best to uh, s- you know save the ship. He you know he plugs the hole up with one of the lifeboats and you know, welds it shut with the laser vision and you know the whole nine yards and. Uh, he starts towing the ship to shore, and in the meantime, Batman is just basically basically getting owned right and left by this robot, because no matter what he does, whatever he throws at it, it's, it's not phasing it at all. Yeah, because we have he, to remember, this thing is built for space. This thing is yes. built built for deep space travel, for exploration, so it has to be able to survive different types of atmospheres and gravities and whatever kind of storms are on other planets. So throwing a few batarangs or even a few missiles, because mind you, at this point, he's got his jetpack and he is shooting some missiles at it. That's not going to even scratch this thing. Nope. And yeah, so, you know, Joker's standing on the sideline the whole time watching this. And he's like, 
oh, this could turn out to be a fair fight after all. Once Batman shoots the missiles at him from this little jetpack thing, and, and he's like, well, this could be turn out to be a fair fight after all. And who wants to see that? <laughs> so he just runs away. And uh, basically, you know, Batman, you know, is he runs away finally because he really, he's out of he has no more missiles. He's uh, he doesn't have a lot of equipment left, so he just starts to. Uh, grapples way across the city and he gets on top of a bus that starts you know going across the highway meanwhile the robot is just following him you know every step of the way and it's knocking cars over as it runs as it zooms down the highway it's going top speed and he eventually sees the daily planet off in the distance and he makes his way to the to the planet and lo and behold Lois is the only one there besides the yeah. janitor I love it and janitor. uh what did she say? Shucking uh, probably, corn? Uh, probably out of husking some <laughs> corn. It's like, come on, the guy asked you a serious question. Give him a serious answer, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and, you know, Batman bursts his way in there after the the robot blasts the windows off, and uh, and he's like, let me guess, you're the only one here. <laughs> and Lois does, she's just like, uh, she can't, she doesn't say a word, she just nods yes, because she's scared shitless yeah. now. And uh, he pick he just picks her up and starts running running through the room with her and as the robot's following behind shooting lasers all the way, and you know they make their way down to the printing press room, and all you know, all the while Batman's like how do I contact Superman and uh, she's like he's out at sea never around when you need him, uh, no more animosity. <laughs> so anyway they're in the, they get they make their way into the printing press room and. Uh, Batman has all kinds of problems dealing with this thing in close quarters combat. Eventually, he gets backed up into one of the printing presses, and his cape and cowl gets caught in one of the in two of the wheels, and it rips it off. And Lois sees who Batman really is. Uh oh. <laughs> so Batman then just takes one of the legs of this thing and rams it into the printing press, and uh, which finally seems to subdue it, but. Again, it gets back up and starts running towards. Yeah, we get them. a real Terminator moment there. Yeah. Oh, it's not dead yet. <laughs> nope. And but you know, before he even does that, Lois is like, "When are you gonna? T- when were you gonna tell me the honeymoon?" Uh, and uh, now Lois is just pissed because she doesn't like Batman yep. too much. And uh, you know, the robot gets up and starts running after him again with one less leg. <laughs> it's like it has. It's running on five <laughs> legs somehow, and. Suddenly, Superman just bursts through the ceiling and stomps on it, and that's yeah. that. So, finally, Superman gets one up on Batman. Right, yeah, yeah. Which, again, is, is nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, and all he says is, did I miss yeah. anything? <laughs> it was great. Just, just, he has to lay it on. Because, it, it, yeah, he's been owned right and left, and he has to get he has to get his oh, licks in there. Yeah. So, you know, in the next scene, we're at Lois' apartment, and this is where uh, Lois is just laying into Bruce, like, how could you lie to me, and this and that, and Bruce is like, well, I never actually said I wasn't Batman. <laughs> and he slaps the, the the gash on his back, he's like, ow! And I love Batman, or Bruce, who, however you want to word it, actually showing pain, because, you know, he goes through yeah. all this crap, night in and night out, and, you know, we don't often see him grunting and yelling, but bam, she slaps that cut on his back, and he's like, ah! <laughs> And Lois is even more pissed off because now she knows the identity of Batman and she can't even do anything about it. It's like the story of the century and she can't do anything about it. So, and Bruce just, uh, 
pours it on like, so you really do love me. <laughs> and at that point, Lois just unleashes the, uh, the, uh, all the hate in one line. It's like, I'll go get some iodine for that cut. Burning, stinging iodine. Yeah. So she goes into the other room and at this point, Superman, who was probably outside the whole time, walks in and they, you know, they start talking. Bruce and Superman start talking and, Bruce actually is humble and says, I'm not used to being saved. Thank that you. That was cool. I like that because yeah. how often do we get him to, to get to hear him say that? We don't. I mean, there was the episode with Bullock where he admitted he was wrong about Harvey Bullock. Um, right. But have we ever really heard him say thank you to anybody? I'm not sure we no. have. And legit, so. Superman saved his life. He really, really did. So he is owed a thank you. So I, I like the fact that Batman was able to say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, this is where they finally decide, look, we've got to team up and and put an end to this nonsense before it gets, you know, even more out of hand. And we got to – and Superman's, Superman really just wants to bring in Luthor more than anything. And But since he has to deal with the Joker, you know, let, why not team up? And he goes, you know the Joker better than anybody, and, you know, and you might – and, you know, I can't find Luthor. I thought maybe you would have some ideas, and he's like, I might. <laughs> So yeah, it, it's it's great. You know they don't they still don't like each other, and you can tell just by their dialogue. But they're starting to but, respect um, each other. Yeah, exactly. There's finally respect. Yeah. Um, now, what I dig about that balcony scene um, is that the way they're standing isn't that different than the nightclub scene. Um, right. And I like that. We'll get that again at the end too. At the, mm-hmm. in the very last shot, it's or not the very last shot, but in that closing scene, they, they keep coming back to that nightclub scene where first it's you know Batman on the right, Superman on the left. Here it's Bruce on the right, Superman on the left, and at the end it's they switch it up and it's Bruce on the left, Clark on the right. But it's shot the same way, and it's meant to invoke that first meeting. The first time they meet up, they hate each other. They don't respect each other. Mm-hmm. They're not. They don't think they're going to get along. Here they're starting to get along. They nah, they don't really like each other, but they're respecting each other. And at the end, they've come to like each other a little, and they really do respect each other. So I really dig it. I love how they keep coming back to that. I love mm-hmm. callbacks, absolutely. And that's a big part of this one. And it's done in threes, and that's that's really important in stories. I know I've mentioned that before. Um, so they, they they knew what they were doing here. You know why? Because they're smart writers. You know, and that's why it gets under my skin when there's bad episodes. Because it's like they can pull off something like this. If they can do this, why are there episodes like the Terrible Trio, like Christmas with the Joker, and other ones that we've rated so low? We should never have ones like that because they can do stuff like this. I understand everybody has a bad day, but Christ on a stick. And they can't all be you know, classics right. like this, but still they could be above average. Exactly. Exactly. So anyways, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> well, you know, at this point, uh, Batman or Bruce gets back into his bat costume and Lois comes back with the first aid stuff. And she's like, Oh no, <laughs> not again. And Bruce, uh, Batman just says has to be done. And Lois says, I don't suppose I could, dissuade you and of course I'm paraphrasing because it's a great I think she says something along the lines of I don't suppose a a stern lecture on unnecessary (laughs) risk taking would would dissuade you (laughs) and he's like sorry (laughs) and then this is another callback because Lois goes like it's just like I understand just uh, please be careful 
just like the for the, for the last scene where she was talk the scene in the beginning of the movie where she was talking to Superman and he just flies off hurt. <laughs> so another callback, very cool. And really from then on, it's just pretty much nonstop action scenes until they stop Joker from destroying Metropolis and Luthor's gigantic. Airship. Right now, before we get to that though, I want to say <laughs> I, I like another thing they come back to here when Batman is is getting dressed and. Uh, she's like, blah, 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 I can't believe you're going out. He says, sorry. And if you actually look what they do with the animation, they actually, granted, he's wearing the mask, so it's not e- it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but they kind of scrunch the mask up a little. You know, he, he closes his eyes a little, and he hangs his head just a little to indicate that he actually is sorry. And what this mm-hmm. is calling back to, what this is coming full circle with, is the first time he met her. First time he met her, he's using her. Absolutely using her to get information. Now here, he's fallen in love with her, he really does care for her, and he knows he's hurting her. He knows that by walking out that door, it is over. If he were to stay behind, maybe he could mend it with her, and, you know, maybe he'd promise he's not going to be Batman again, blah, blah, blah. But he can't do that. So, again, this goes back to that scene with, this also goes back to that scene with Superman and Lois. As you just mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. is someone's gotta get hurt. And again, Lois is getting hurt, Bruce is getting hurt before it was Clark getting hurt and Lois getting hurt. It's such awesome storytelling, how they're able to take all these individual little threads and bring them together into these little moments. Um, and, and they just, they just wrap up these storylines. It's great. It's absolutely wonderful. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, I should say before uh, we start getting into action sequences, we get one last scene with Joker, uh, Joker, Mercy, Luthor, and uh, Harley Quinn in the, uh, another LexCorp building. And uh, you know, the, Luthor is trying to explain to Joker that they've got all kinds of plans because the robot that they used uh, they used against Batman can be traced back to Luthor. And then, uh oh, here we go again. Luthor is going to be in trouble with on any number of people, <laughs> including the police. Um, and Joker just sees the, the, the Lex wing in the hangar and he's like, whoa, this is awesome. It's a hundred times bigger than Batman's. <laughs> it's like, and a hundred times as lethal. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Luthor just yells at him. Do you have the rest of the kryptonite or not? And, and Harley has this bag on her side and she says right here, Chrome Dome, what's the plan? So Mercy pulls the gun on them again and says, payback. <laughs> So Luthor is betra- Luthor and Mercy are betraying uh, Joker and uh, which, as Quinn. I said earlier, is what and was going to happen all along anyway. Exactly. And uh, Joker, I love Joker because he makes this whole scene. He's he's laughing the whole time about this. He's like, and and Quinn's like, "What's so funny?" And he's like, "Don't you see what's going on? We're getting set up to take the fall." And it's great because Joker would find that funny. Right, yeah. Later on, you know, with what happens with the Joker, one of the things I noted is that I love the Joker when he's laughing at his own demise. Because right here, hmm, he really could get blown away. Later on, we know what happens to him. And he laughs both, both times. He just laughs it off. Because it's funny to him. It's humorous. Um, and the one time it's not funny to him, well, we'll talk about, Many episodes down the road. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm even gonna be able to do that episode. I'm gonna be gushing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to come up with a new grading scale, like ten to twenty. You know, uh, I'd grade it a thirty-five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
so Luthor unzips the bag and all these little snake springy snakes uh you know spring out and dis- and like it discombobulates them to where Joker can use a yo-yo to knock the gun out of Mercy's hand hitting her in the face in the process Mercy. poor Mercy <laughs> and uh uh Quinn picks up the gun and pulls it on Luthor so you know they've turned the tables and Quinn's like well we're never going to get our billion dollars now Mr. J but and Joker's like true, but I see a delightful consolation prize. And Quinn proceeds to spray paint a bunch of teeth all over the the uh, the Lex wing. There's just big black stripes all around it, make it look like a gigantic smile. Which is funny, but I take issue with. They're on a yeah, timetable ha- here, and sh- that job would have taken her like a day. We at, at least. At least. Yeah, you're more. You're right. It probably would have been a week. Uh, okay, yeah, Joker logic, but Joker time? I don't think so. I don't no, think so. No. Joker does not control the time space continuum. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, it is pretty. No, cool. it is. And and uh, so they strap Mercy to one of those robots, and uh, they uh, Joker Luther's like, look, how much is it going to cost me to get out of this? And and Joker says, no, no, it's not about money anymore. Now I just want you to see what it's like to lose everything. Like me, and they take off in the ship. And what he means by that is basically he's going to destroy everything Luthor built, which means he's going to blow up half of Metropolis with the uh, Lex Wing. And from then on, really, it's just nonstop action. Yeah, yeah. I, I really wish Batman would have fought the plane, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does blow a hole. Well, into that's it different than you know wrestling it. <laughs> Superman can wrestle a plane. Batman, no. Um, no. I also liked uh, Batman turning into Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. I mean, and I'm not being sarcastic. I really like the fact that Batman's got some claws. Why wouldn't he? You know, he's got to scale yeah. buildings and he's got to do some crazy shit. So, sure, why not have some crazy claws? <laughs> well, hell, he has claws all the time in the Batman animated series. That's part of the costume. Mm-hmm. They're all like... Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was cool. Um... Now, I I have a question, though. When Mm -hmm. Superman and Batman are storming Luthor's facility, they can't get in and they can't see through the walls because they're lead lined. So Superman just punches the door down and uh, he then like bows and does like an after you thing to Batman. And as Batman's walking by, he says, you're learning. Now, doesn't Robin say that same thing to him later on in nighttime? I think it's called Nighttime, isn't it? That's the the next crossover. I, oh, you mean you mean Tim Drake? Yeah, I said Robin. Right? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, right, right. I'm sorry. I was for some reason I was thinking no. Dick Grayson. I was thinking of Batman the Animated Series. No, 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 no. no um, later on, remember when Superman dresses up as Batman? Yeah, I think he, he does. Over say a that. desk, and I think he says he's learning. Or no, no, no. Robin tells him to kick over the desk, but there's another thing that he does where I I swear that they did it. And I, again, I like that because it shows. The sidekick, the student, so to speak, learning from the master. So it would make sense that he'd repeat some lines that the master would say to Superman. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I really do think he does say that. Uh, I just don't remember the exact moment, but I do. I think it is when he kicks the desk over when he's yelling at the. I don't penguin. think it's when he kicks the desk because I think Tim tells him to t- kick the desk. I think he says kick the desk, and then he does. I think there's something else that he does. That that causes mm-hmm. Tim to say, "You're learning," but I don't remember what. Uh, it, it well, we'll get to it. We'll find out. And, 
<laughs> a handful of episodes, I guess. Yep. Uh, um, now, how many people did the Joker fucking kill? Oh my god. Okay, now, <laughs> he blows up how many buildings? I, I don't even know. I lost count. I mean, now, <laughs> I understand those buildings aren't going to be filled to capacity because it was nighttime. This wasn't a daytime scene. But there's still going to be people in there, and there's still going to be people on the street getting crushed by the debris. Like, yep. uh, again, I said it earlier, this is a dark episode, really. It's fun. It's got its, you know, you, you laugh at it from time to time. But look at what the Joker just did. He just blew up dozens of buildings. Dozens of buildings are gone, and people are just dead because of it. There's... There, you can't pretend people didn't die. You just can't. No, no. I mean, you can't. And, but it goes back to Joker being a mess. Right, exactly, murderer. exactly. And uh, I appreciate the fact that they didn't pull punches. That they did right. actually let him blow up the buildings. We know people die. That doesn't have to really be mentioned. It doesn't have to be shown. We don't got to see ambulances on the scene. We don't got to see triages or anything like that. You know, we know mm -hmm. it's there. Um and as far as we know, the Joker gets his comeuppance, too. I mean, this could have been the last time we ever saw him. It wasn't, but it could have been. So yep. it, he got what he deserved, or so we think at the moment. Yeah. Um, I have one question. Um, in this, the first scene where they start, where Batman and Superman start fighting the robots, after Superman takes out about three or four of them, uh, Batman channels his, his anime. Mm -hmm aside and jumps about 50 feet in the uh, air out of nowhere. <laughs> now, it was, it was a great little badass moment where he shoots those things with the electrified uh, grapples, but uh, hmm, how did he learn to jump that high? <laughs> it was one of those things where I was listening to the commentary for the first episode, and they actually make reference to that. And what, uh, I think it was Bruce Tim, what he says is that there were a couple of reasons they left that in. One, they needed Batman to do some superhuman things. When you put him up next to Superman, Batman needs to do a things that a normal human couldn't do. Okay? And the other mm -hmm. thing is that, and you kind of hinted at this by mentioning anime, in Asian animation, when a character is a ninja, he can jump like that. And Batman is a ninja, so it's okay that he can jump like that. Would he normally be able to do that? No, he wouldn't. It is slightly out of character, definitely. Because um, he, he jumps at least 12, 15 feet in the air to get over some of them robots. Um, yeah. But I don't mind it so much. No, no I, I don't I don't really mind it either, per se. It's just, I just took notice <laughs> of it, and it was like, it reminded me of anime. Mm -hmm. so, so, of course, I had to make a yeah. mention of it. Um, yeah, so, you know, once and once the, uh, you know, the Lexwing starts to, ex to really just explode after the marbles start going everywhere... And Batman takes Harley and jumps out of the uh, the Lex Wing. We get an, uh, another kind of gruesome mm -hmm. line where where Harley's like, "Put him," and and Batman's just like, at this point, he probably oh, is. ouch. <laughs> he now he's just laying into Harley. <laughs> oh man, he could be such a dick, but God, God, that was yeah, absolutely. funny. Absolutely. Now, here's something I have a question about. After the, the Lex Wing blows up and um, Harley's been taken to jail, everything's pretty much been set right, we see Luthor entering a building. I don't know what it is, but there's a whole bunch of reporters following him, and they're talking about how 
he's going to be rigor, rigorously questions be questioned because a couple of his facilities have been blown up. Uh, his jet was used to destroy half of Metropolis. Um, his robots were used. And, he, you know, ties with uh, Wayne Industries have been severed, right? So mm-hmm. Luthor is taking yeah. the fall, rightfully as he should take the fall. He was half to blame here. We know he's going to get, get away scot-free, though. But here's my question. Why didn't Bruce Wayne take any flack? Let me put it to you this way. First off, those robots are half-owned by Wayne. Second, Mm -hmm. the Joker showed up right before Wayne showed up, and they share a common city. So who's to say that Wayne and the Joker weren't in cahoots to take down Luthor and Superman together? So Wayne could get a foothold uh, in, in Metropolis and take out Superman at the same time. Do you see what I'm saying here? There, yeah, I, I understand they, they couldn't go into it. I mean, this is like the last two, three minutes of the episode. But it's one of those things where upon this viewing, it kind of got under my skin. I was like, Wayne would have been grilled, too. They were half-owned by him. And it's a little more than a coincidence that he showed up at the same time as the Joker. I think the only reason I can kind of put it aside is because remember earlier in the episode when we first get Wayne and Luthor talking to each other uh, and, Lu- and Wayne refuses to have them be used as weapons he tells Luthor point blank tell the Joint Chiefs that it you know I don't have the imagination I'm, I I would my my theory is Luthor went and told the Joint Chiefs look I'm trying to get these as weapons he won't cooperate and so there that's that's Wayne's kind of uh get out of jail free card because now they, he's out he's off the hook for it being a weapon. But see that's the thing that's the perfect cover story. Oh, I don't want to use these as weapons. I'm a humanitarian. And then you use them in a hostile in a very hostile takeover and the murder of one of the world's greatest superheroes. You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. It's just there's too much that could also tie it to Wayne. It shouldn't all fall on Luthor. I really would have liked if they would have carried some of this over into the new Batman cartoon, into Gotham Knights, the new Batman Adventures, whatever you want to call it, um, and shown that he was still suffering some effects from this. I, again, mm-hmm. I know they weren't writing the stories to be that way back then, but I just I really don't like it all being placed at Luthor's feet here. I really don't. Again, I'm not going to take a point off because of it. But if you think about it, what I'm saying does make sense. I think it does, at yeah. least. If I did, I would be saying. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> uh, I would say, um, except for a couple, there was a couple of lip syncing problems in the uh, leg swing scene where uh, Luther's like, You're asking me for help. And Joker, Joker's next line is lip synced horribly. But, but yeah, other than that, the animation was perfect this was joker's finest hour yeah, yet, yet to yet. date yet yeah um and uh you know mercy finally gets to laugh yeah. <laughs> there it's like i want a lawyer i want a doctor i want a cheese sandwich <laughs> and mercy's like now that's funny <laughs> and of course she still has pain even from laughing but still at least she got to yeah. laugh um, uh, now, I, there were some moments where the animation, I don't think, was perfect. And it was specifically in the second uh, act um, when Luthor – shoot, I think it was the scene when Luthor and – Busts into Joker's Yeah, hideout. he kind of like looms yeah. over Joker and he gets all cartoony in his yelling. Yes, yes. He's a little off model. And, I mean, I understand that Luthor is pissed, but it's almost like – 
he's like he's plastic man and his face is changing a little um it's not yeah i did notice it's not that. terrible animation but it's not the luthor i'm quite used to seeing in this tune so again not losing a point for it but it's got to be mentioned it really does yeah uh, yeah i did notice that and i've ever since the first time i watched this i've watched this movie god knows how many mm-hmm. times and i still look at that like huh? <laughs> every time i see it because he looks like a like a deformed Elmer Fudd at, at, yes. at, when he's yelling he at him. He does. He very much does. You're right there. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah. So what else should we say about this? <laughs> We've analyzed every speck of this <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. What are your closing thoughts? Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this, That's all, I, folks. <laughs> I have to... Yeah. Yeah, now that we mentioned yeah. Elmer Fudd. But, um... Yeah, it's just another testament to how amazing these writers, uh, how smart they are, how when they put their minds to it, they can create something just... Epic. Yeah, epic. That's the best word you can use to describe it. And uh, this, you know, if this thing, if this episode hadn't been very good, then who knows? You know, we may not have ever gotten a Justice League cartoon. Right. Because this episode really set up the DCAU as an expand, you know, as an expanding universe, and it did it near flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, should we get to our scores then, or was there was there anything else you wanted to mention? No, I think I think I've said all I need to say about okay. it. Yeah, I think you know we're closing in on the three hour mark, so I think we've said plenty. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this is our longest episode <laughs> ever. I, like, I think our longest before this was about two and a half hours. But it's ap- it's apropos. <laughs> oh, but anyways, do I even have to ask what this is going to be scored? No, no, you yeah. don't. Uh, without any hesitation, a ten out of ten. Exactly. <gasps> Where's the Joker? Who knows? Making haha with Harley Quinn. Oh. I don't know. Honest. I never went back after he muscled in. I don't want nothing to do with that clown. That's enough. I think you got your answer. I heard you were crazy. I didn't think you were stupid. Bruce Wayne. You peaked. I won't have vigilantism in my town. You'll be rid of me. As soon as I find the Joker. That may not be soon enough. Ugh. It doesn't take much, does it? The Joker has 20 pounds more where this came from. Thought you might like to know. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss two episodes of Superman the Animated Series, those being The Hand of Fate and Bizarro's World, and three episodes of Gotham Knights, those being Holiday Nights, Sins of the Father, and Cold Comfort. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 